the greatness of WrestleMania. Last week we talked about the very worst, the awful, the terrible. This time around we're going to talk about the great. I don't even know where to start, so I'll ask. I'll just ask you a random question. Give me your top three WrestleManias of all time, right now, off the top of your head. Your favorite, personal favorite. Personal favorite. Um, start to finish. In not- oh, mm. in in a, in just like best, you know, number one best, number two, three, or or just randomly, just hey, ra- random order as an overall card. Okay, I'm gonna go twenty four. I'm going to go 19, and I'll go 17. I think those three are the best WrestleManias we've had. What do you think? Yeah, my, my list is the exact same. Uh, you know, I, I want yeah. I would if I had to be different, just to like throw out I'll throw out like three honorable mentions from my list. I would probably say 21. Throw that out there. Um, I don't even know. Like I love I really love 22 a lot and 23. So. Those are probably like that was like my childhood right there, man. That was when I was watching wrestling. You know, I was like just super into wrestling. I still thought it was real. I was really young and actually, that, this, that's this is a better question to ask. Instead of just what are the best WrestleManias? WrestleMania seventeen is the goat. That, that that's what your run of the mill standard podcast does, Kevin. We are elite heat. We are the only wrestling show you need on Mondays. Talk about your personal favorite WrestleManias stuff. Just you know what everyone you know seventeen nineteen. We know they're amazing. We know. Talk about your favorites. Look, 22, 23. Talk to us about the greatness of WrestleMania 22, Kevin. Walk, walk me through how that show made you feel. Well, jeez. WrestleMania 22 scared the ever-living hell out of me when when uh, Crazy Man Edge put Mick Foley through a table. You know, a table that was on fire. I was like, what am I watching right now? It was nuts. You know, then you had um, the Money in the Bank match, RVD winning. That was just a crazy ladder match. I love Shawn Michaels versus Vince McMahon. I think that's one of the most underrated WrestleMania matches. It's literally just Vince getting beat up for 18 minutes straight by Shawn Michaels. <laughs> it's a, it's really like if you hate Vince McMahon, like genuinely, if you're one of those people that's just like I can't stand Vince, it's a really good match to go back and watch. And then you had Rey Mysterio win the world title. That was a big moment for me as a kid. Eddie had just passed. Rey Mysterio was like my favorite wrestler at the time. I just really good match you had Kurt Angle in there you know it was it was a short match was what it was but then you had John Cena and Triple H like that's like the Attitude Era versus the Ruthless Aggression Era well what what more can I even say that's like that's that match gets hated on a lot because people don't like either guy in in hindsight like but that's one of the best WrestleMania main events to ever to ever take place in my opinion and then of course, you know, you had Tori Wilson and Candice Michelle in a in a Playboy pillow fight match. You know that. Uh, they... Well, that, that's getting censored off Peacock, pal. You can guarantee that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Tori Wilson, Candice Michelle, I had big crushes on them. I I loved them both. Like who didn't, bro? Who who didn't? If you were my age and you were like ten years old watching this, you loved Candice Michelle and Tori Wilson. There's just no way around. Damn it! You can't love them. That's sexist, Kevin. That's misogyny. Damn it. Yeah, 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 exactly. But we could have Cardi B and and Megan Thee Stallion doing their WAP video, whatever they did in that. Yeah, you know, awful. Um, yeah, twenty two was dope. Like uh, across the board, it was a fun WrestleMania. I think that that that's one of the things of WrestleMania. Like just fond positive memories because like the thing with WrestleMania, most of the time this is the the year of wrestling. Well, WWE wise, wound up into one big extravaganza. So. Ideally, if you've been watching wrestling for like the past year, WrestleMania is what you remember that you know year four near enough. Like when you think of 2006, you think of the WrestleMania. You think of those memories you have from WrestleMania. So in that regard, 
in personal experience, I think back to 2012, 2013, those years, and I was just infatuated with the product. Now, 2013, I did bury the WrestleMania 29 show a lot last week, so I'm not really going to cover 29. 28, on the other hand, is the opposite for me. I think WrestleMania 28, I know a bunch of you watching this agree because a bunch of you watching like a similar kind of age bracket to me and grew up in a similar kind of time, time, span, time span when I did. But WrestleMania 28, Kevin, this show, growing up watching this, Cena and The Rock felt like the biggest thing ever. Like I'm... Like I never got to see Rock and Hogan live. I, I kind of wish I did, but I wasn't. I wasn't even born, so I wish I got to see that live. I didn't. Rock Cena, I did get to see live. Oh my god! Like, what did you think of Once in a Lifetime, Kevin? I thought it was just epic. Yeah, up. yeah, it was epic. That's the only way you could describe it. it. That match is bigger than it gets credit for. Like a lot of people look at it, they're like, "Oh, Hogan Andre was better." You know, Rock Hogan was better. Yeah, you know, Cena Rock, that was pretty big. That was The Rock's big return to wrestling. He'd been gone for like eight years. And he's coming back and he's wrestling John Cena, the biggest celebrity that wrestling arguably has ever produced. And it was just crazy. The atmosphere, just them staring at each other. I'll, I'll never forget that. Just the stare down. It's, there's nothing like it. It's those moments that you never forget. It's like, it was another, like, it was kind of like Rock Hogan in a lot of ways. But the atmosphere is just crazy. You got people that are cheering Cena people that are cheering rock people that are booing cena it was just an amazing match amazing moment and that's what wrestling is all about wrestling is about those moments it's about those once in a lifetime moments no pun intended but that really felt like a once in a lifetime and then it kind of sucked that they went back on their word like that kind of hurts it i think in hindsight the fact that wwe just was like oh we're gonna do a rematch pal and yeah it did big business because people naturally are gonna buy it but it just takes the stigma away from the whole once in a lifetime like that felt like a must-see moment because it's like you're never gonna see this again like it was but it was built up like this is the rock swan song the rock is never coming back this is it you have to see this while you have to see him while he's here and unfortunately they went back on their words so that kind of took away from it but it was a great moment yeah because like that match, the whole match it it was everything that makes wrestling great like it was two lives and life superstars you know, two generation-defining talents just going at it in the main event of WrestleMania. And, like, yeah, when it comes to the marketing, the marketing killed this because, like, the Rock and Hogan was never branded as once-in-a-lifetime. They marketed that as, like, old lion, young lion passing of the torch. So that when they did Rock and Hogan the next year at No Way Out 2003, it wasn't a big deal because, well, it wasn't marketed as once-in-a-lifetime. So in that regard, when Rock and Cena do twice in a lifetime and i've seen it just beat rock the next year in new jersey it's like oh you know well that, that, that wasn't needed was it so yeah this, this was epic kevin like when, when, when you're talking there the only thing i'm thinking is that wrestling misses dream matches like it, it's not about good matches it's about dream matches you know is, is that fair to say absolutely generally absolutely like, you know, that's, that's what I find about WrestleMania 37, which we talked about for a, a while to start this uh, this podcast, this super show. A lot about WrestleMania 37 is good matches. But are they matches the are dream matches? Are they matches which, you you know, you tell people about? Like, this goes back to the Reigns versus Edge thing. We talked about this at length earlier on. Reigns, Reigns and Edge is a match that you'd think, oh, my God, that's Reigns and Edge. Are people begging, oh my God, Reigns, Edge versus Brian? That's a match I've had on my dream list for years. Like, no. But nonetheless, nonetheless, Kevin, Mania 28 was just something else. I mean, once once in a lifetime, end of an era, like, wow. Like, yeah, the, yeah, the best story, arguably the best story ever told in a match. 
you just that's storytelling at its finest like that's what people don't really grasp like people that are coming up into wrestling they don't really get it you know they think it's all about going viral oh you, i gotta jump off a roof in a mall because i gotta get people to, sh- to share me on twitter yeah that's great for the short term but if you can really like study and pick up what triple h and undertaker did as far as a storytelling perspective i mean you just you can't you really can't get much better than that that is the pinnacle of storytelling it's Shawn Michaels is Triple H's best friend. He's a good friend of The Undertaker, but at the same time, Undertaker retired him, ended his career. Now he's the referee in between two of his very best friends in wrestling. And then you have these two icons, Undertaker, Triple H, going at it. Yeah, some people say the match was long, but it, it was worth going through the emotions. Like It was just something like when you're watching it live, you could feel the emotions. You feel the emotion of every kick out. You can see Sean like, oh, I, I don't know what to do. Do I kick Undertaker? Do I not? Do I count this pin? Do I not? I have to be fair. This unbelievable, man. It It's a cast of characters. And it really is truly the end of an era because we're not going to see storytelling wrestling like this. I don't think ever again. I really don't. Uh, the The day of large and life characters and wrestling is over. And this was kind of the, the ending of it, I think. Yeah. I mean, considering as you talk about there people just doing spots and moves for the sake of virality and like, you know, clips going viral on TikTok nowadays. And the fact that they just signed this Peacock deal, which is going to decentivize them writing these great stories. Furthermore, like it's rough to see like end of an era was just special. Like the, the fact that end of an era and once in a lifetime happened on the same show, that's insane. Like, like I'd be so grateful if they had one, match or story or like moment that was as good as that on like this year's wrestlemania or like any wrestlemania nowadays like last year i guess you had the boneyard match i guess but this year i don't i don't know like end of an era once in a lifetime there's taglines you remember it for moments you'll never forget that's what wrestlemania is that is the best of wrestlemania the best of wrestlemania is matches moments experiences that are exclusive to WrestleMania, they're not just good matches you can see at every random show. It's like, okay, the show is going to be objectively good this year for WrestleMania because of the talent involved, the matches will be good. But will there be those moments that make you go, wow, 10 years from now, Kevin, look at WrestleMania 37. That that moment between X and Y was just, oh my God. Will there be that? I don't know. WrestleMania 28 had them in abundance. So that's why, personally speaking, I'm such a giant fan of that show. Personally, personal favorites wise, it's probably my personal favorite Mania ever. I feel like so. Yeah, yeah what a show! Exactly. I, I just I do two minutes on the rest of the card, and then we'll move something else. P- people say like this was a great, like objectively the greatest WrestleMania of all time. I mean, you could subjectively, if that's your opinion, that's fine. But to say this is the greatest WrestleMania top to bottom, it's really like it's really not. It's really a three no, match no, show. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah, not it's all. a it's a three match show. You've got Jericho and Punk. They had a very good story. Jericho pouring alcohol on Punk and, you know, exploring, exploiting Punk's personal, you know, his personal stance on drugs and alcohol. It was a very good story. Rock Cena, Undertaker, Triple H. But, like, the rest of this card, Sheamus and Daniel Bryan for the big gold belt in 18 seconds. Sheamus beats him. Uh, you have Randy Orton and Kane in a, oh, Randy Orton's got a good match, pal. We'll put that on the card. Like, okay. Big Show versus Cody Rose so Big Show could get his WrestleMania moment. Maria Menounos and Kelly Kelly versus Beth Phoenix and Eve Torres. Like, no, not a lot of good good stuff on the undercard. But Well, Kevin, one thing I will say, I think this is going to be a fair bit of analysis. 28 and 29, 
they're literally the same show. The difference is 28, the, the matches between the big part-timers and people you cared about actually had genuinely great stories that yes. makes you remember them positively a decade from, you know, from when they happened. Whereas 29 was just, let's throw together some part-timers. The undercard's going to suck. Here's your show, you know? Like, yeah. Absolutely. And when you have something larger than life, like a once-in-the-lifetime match, just I, I can't stress it enough. It was like, this is the last time you're going to see The Rock. You have to watch it. That's basically the story of going in. And it was like, it was crazy. It was just crazy. But It was it was epic. And also, wasn't Mania 28 the most bought Mania ever? 1.2 million pay-per-view buys, was it not? Yes, that is oh. correct. Yeah. That... Yeah, people, even in 2012, in the pay-per-view model, 1.2 million pay-per-view buys. That is insane. That's legit. Kevin, come come October, Raw's going to be getting 1.2 million viewers. Yeah. And <laughs> you compare, and to think literally nine years ago, literally to the day, 1.2 million pay-per-view buys. And the show was what, 50, 60, 70, 70 bucks? That is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it was like $70 because I remember my dad screaming, I paid $70 to watch to watch this Irish guy kick Daniel Bryan in the face in 18 seconds. Like, he was like, he was, he was mad. I feel like he wasted it's his insane. money. It's insane. <laughs> so yeah, that's 28. I think, do you want to talk about one more like Mon 1 31? I think 31 is a good one because top to bottom, the best WrestleMania we've had, I don't even know since what, 24, I think. I, I, I think, it, yeah, I think that's fair to say top to bottom as a card. Yeah. Uh, you could argue WrestleMania 30. They they pretty they go pretty hand in hand. 30 and 31 were both really good shows, top to bottom. Well, uh, well, that's the thing with 30. I want to talk about 30 in depth here. 30. I didn't end up putting this video out. It was going to be why I hate WrestleMania 30, which is it's a bit over the top. But nonetheless, the general sentiment is that WrestleMania 30 is a show built on moments, which that's awesome. But those moments, they seem to cover up all the horrible creative going on at the time. Like, beginning of 2014, the talent WWE had available for this show was through the roof. Like, the amount of talent they had for WrestleMania 30 was god-tier. But the creative was so bad. It was Undertaker and Brock were having a match because Taker stabbed Brock with a pen. We had, you know, like, what else did we have? Cena should have been, Cena should have been facing The Undertaker. Wyatt should have been facing The Shield for the first time. Instead, The Shield were fighting the New Age Outlaws and Kane. You know? Like, why? It... I don't know. I don't know. That's just my thoughts. What do you think of 31, Kevin? What do you think? Yeah, we'll, we'll go on 30 in a minute. But I, yeah, 31, I think overall, top to bottom, yeah, it's a really good card. I mean, the ladder match started out hot. Unbelievable. And then Orton and Rollins, really good match. Everybody knows the famous RKO. They, those two genuinely had a really good match. Good chemistry. Triple H versus Sting, whether you, you like the finish or you don't, it was literally Vince McMahon punishing Sting because he cashed checks from Eric, with Eric Bischoff's signature on him 20 years ago. So it it was still a good match. Uh, even like the women's match, AJ Lee and Paige versus the Bella Twins was good. You had Cena and Rusev. Rusev with one of the most iconic entrances in WrestleMania history. And then the main event, Brock versus Roman with Rollins cashing in. I'm not even going to talk about Undertaker and Bray Wyatt, but that moment of Rollins cashing in, just like, bro, is of the modern era, the last, what, six years? It's been six years since WrestleMania 31. That's the biggest WrestleMania moment that there's been in those past six years. And I don't know if anything is going to come close to topping that. I, I really don't. Yeah. I mean, Mania 31, like, 
it's it's one of those shows. It's like start to finish. It's like a four hour show. Yes, Cena and Rusev was like, eh, I don't know. Bray Wyatt and Undertaker was eh, not the best. The the AJ Lee and was it AJ and Page versus the Bellas? I think like that match was fine. Um, and then yes, yeah, Sting and Triple H, incredible nostalgia in that match. The the, the, you know, the wrong guy won. That that wasn't the match I should have done. It's like in hindsight, a lot of things could have and probably should have been different with Mania's booking-wise. Like, yeah, should they have done Sting and Taker this show? Well, yeah. But I guess Triple H had to beat Sting because, damn it, pal. Had to prepare Triple H for WrestleMania 32 versus The Rock, pal. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, ca- um, he cash checks from Eric Bischoff. Damn it, I hate him. Damn it, pal. Ah. So, yeah, Mania 31 was just an excellent show. It, it had moments you remember consistent, consistently good across the whole show. Like, Mania 31, outside of the main event, there isn't, like, some godly match. Like all the matches are pretty good to really good, so it's a regard, it's a watchable yeah. show. It's a very watchable show. It's a show that I could yeah. look back six years later and I could put WrestleMania thirty one on and not be bored because there's really yes. nothing yes. that's terrible. Yes. Like there's not yes. like uh you know there's not like a two minute women's match that's just like oh we got to get eight women on the card you know there's nothing like that on this match on this show. There's not like Kane versus Randy Orton in a ten minute bore fest. Like there's nothing there. That I'm just like uh I don't want to watch this. I could watch the whole show. Like, yeah, Undertaker Bray Wyatt is probably the weakest match on the card, I would say. It was just like the Undertaker lost his streak and then he came back and, you know, we're supposed to believe that Bray Wyatt is the new face of fear. Whatever Michael Cole called. (laughs) He's the new face of fear, John. Like, what? I don't know. Whatever. I'm not trying to bury it too much. But the main event, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns, that is what I like in a WrestleMania main event. Yeah. That's what I like. Two big believable, bruising, tough guys beating each other up. That's what I like to see. And yeah, Rollins cashing in was great, but the first like 12 or 13 minutes or so of that match is just awesome if you go back and watch it. It's Brock suplexing Roman Reigns. I believe he coined Suplex City Bitch that night. Yes. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah. It's just... Actually, no, that was no, that was at SummerSlam the year before, but Suplex City was like a it was like a big thing by this point. So when he's tossing Roman onto his neck a bunch of, a bunch of times, it was amazing. Like... Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, and I know we should do 90 seconds on this. Did you really want to see Brock Lesnar, a 280-pound UFC fighter, toss Daniel Bryan on his neck after he came Would've out of surgery? Would have killed him like, legitimately. Did you really want right. to see that? Like, like for people that say it should have been Brock versus Daniel Bryan, no, it shouldn't have. Now, I'm not going to excuse WWE here because the way they they presented that Royal Rumble and booked it was like having Daniel Bryan come back, everybody's happy, and then he doesn't win. We talked about it enough. That was bad, but... They, he shouldn't have main evented. Like, no. Brock and Roman was the perfect main event. Because yeah. even with Rollins, Rollins isn't as isn't as believable of a guy. We saw when Rollins and Brock faced each other four years later. So Roman was the perfect guy. Yeah. The like the, the thing is, this Reigns and Lesnar match, I guess I'd look at a match like Drew versus Lesnar in a similar light. Yeah. But the thing with that is that that match went for four minutes. This one was legitimately 15 minutes of these two beasts quite literally beating the crap out of each other Brock Lesnar being the unstoppable monster at this time period you gotta remember 2015 or end of 2014 beginning of 2015 Brock this is Brock literally in his prime this is Brock murdering Cena at SummerSlam winning the triple threat match after being stretched off in a gurney this is Brock when he's legitimately unstoppable he's just broken the streak and people wanted Daniel Bryan some 5 foot 6 Starbucks employee who was doughy with a beard to beat him you know yeah. Like, it didn't make sense. So Roman Reigns, as bad as the booking was to get to this, this was the perfect match. This was the guy who you could tell is the next 
supposed guy who Vince loves, a, a very legitimate, believable-looking wrestler, stepping up to Brock. This was this is the next versus the now in many regards back then. So the match was phenomenal. Fifteen minutes of these two beating the ever-living crap <laughs> oh, out of each other. Yeah, you, know, you know it's funny. I gotta say this too before I forget. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, you talked about how thirty was like bad creative. 31 was not very good creative-wise either. I, I, I'm thinking okay. back to the build. I'm having flashbacks now of when Roman and Brock, they had like a tug-of-war over the contract uh. or the belt or whatever. <laughs> like Roman's trying to grab the belt from Brock. I'm like, what is this? And then you have Rand Yorton. Hello, Seth. I'm going to get my hands on you. The, the creative was pretty bad here too. And then it was just, you know, Cena and Rusev. It was like PG, you know, it was like PG version of Iron Sheik versus Hulk Hogan or something. And then the Eater of Worlds, John, yeah. like the creative here wasn't very good, but the card itself did deliver. Oh, Kevin, the creative was really bad. But like yeah. the one thing this, one thing that's so good about this show, how many matches were on it? Seven. Yes. We didn't need 15 matches, Kevin. We only had seven matches and yeah. it was a great show. Yeah, we didn't have Vince McMahon's 49-year-old son facing a 39-year-old failed reality TV star in the middle of the card, you know, like we had for <laughs> WrestleMania 35. Well, legit. Like, this show was just really good. Like, I mean, yeah, the, the build was bad. But, like, consider it this way. At the time in 2015, most people were saying it's the worst build to WrestleMania ever. We had Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns doing a tug of war <laughs> of the title. We had Randy Orton every week saying, Sir, I am going to get my hands on you. We had Sting, we had Sting coming out every week with a bat pointing at Triple H. We had Cena saying, I love America's nation. We'll save you ain't going to take down my country's nation. And we had Bray Wyatt saying, I'm the new face of Scare Undertaker. Like, that was legit the build. But at the end of the day, that is infinitely better than the build we have nowadays featuring Hey Hey Hop Hop, the expose of Braun Strowman, Baron Corbin beating up, um, beating up Drew McIntyre to close the show, the New Day playing charades with AJ Styles. Like, Compare 2015, which was not good, to what we have now. Oh, it my makes, God. What we have now makes 2015 look like the Attitude Era, Kevin. Yeah, it, it I, is, I, I would much rather watch Randy Orton go, Hello, Seth. I'm going to get my hands on you. I'd rather watch that than, than a, f- a former football player beat up Bobby Lashley uh, any day of the week. Legit, I remember they closed, they closed I think it was the March, uh, March 9th, 2015 rule, I believe with literally a, a shot of Randy Orton standing on the steel steps. It was like a tag match, Orton and Rollins, I think, against, I don't even know who. And like Orton like betrayed Seth in the match. Who would have seen this coming? And the show ends Shocker. with Randy Orton standing on the steel steps, flipping a double bird. And they, they try and like not show it, they, they accidentally showed it. And it was like this big, oh my God, Attitude Era is coming back. It, it was something. Nowadays, the shows end with Baron Corbin standing there laughing as Lashley beats up McIntyre. Like. Bro, I, I I just had an I just had an epiphany right now. What what are we gonna do when Randy Orton retires, bro? Like, there's nobody left that doesn't give a fuck anymore. They're, everybody's PC. Like, Orton's the last. He's literally the last guy that does not care. That will flip the bird to the camera. He, there's nobody else left like him, bro. Yeah, yeah basically. What what, are, <laughs> what? Oh my god. What are we gonna do, bro? Yeah. What are we going to do when there's no Randy Orton? Like, we're just going to be there. It's going to be Johnny Gargano versus Seth Rollins for the hundredth time for the for the United States Championship on Raw, on Peacock. Peacock yeah, special, Zorro, pal. Zorro at, like, 46 saying, I love this business. And then he's going to have a great match with Nakamura. Like, Yeah, he's going to talk about how he's been held down for the last 15 years. 
What a joke. So yeah, that's, that's 31. Do you want to talk about 30 a bit, Kevin? Yes, I absolutely do. Because I love WrestleMania 30. This is also... This is this was probably in my top five favorite. I, I would have to say. Like, if, if I'm really thinking about it, yeah. this is up there. I love this pay-per-view. I, I, I know you you hate it, but I love it. I, we can have well, a good little debate I here. Weird, I have such a weird relationship with this show because... For literally years, I, I thought this show was amazing. Like I watched this back, I've watched this show back a bunch, and there's a lot I like about the show. But like, it, it's just like what they could have done. That that's what always that's like the, the dangling carrot out in front of like what they could have done, how amazing it could have been, and the fact that this show there was a bunch of stuff that was like done wrong, and it was still like a top five ten mania, and it could have been easily the best show ever. You know, that's that's my kind of point of view. So what do you think? Absolutely. Like, um, you have like. like you have Daniel Bryan versus Triple H opening the show, 25-minute match, whatever, you know. But uh, you say it could have been better. I'll ask you this. You said yes. you would have John Cena versus Undertaker. Who would yes. you have had Brock Lesnar face then? Batista. Easy. Okay. World Heavyweight title. Wouldn't have, wouldn't have merged the belts. Would have had the big gold World Heavyweight title. Batista, you know, Lesnar wins the World Heavyweight title from God knows who. He murders Del Rio at Survivor Series and wins the world title. And then from there, we literally get Batista and Brock for the big gold. Not hard. You know. For the big gold belt. Yep. And that would have just yep. been for the big gold belt, right? Just one championship. Not, they wouldn't have been yep, unified. Just one. Just one. Just one. You, so you wouldn't have done that classic unification match from TLC 2013 with the greatest rivalry of all time, John Cena and Randy Orton? No, I wouldn't have. Because it's TLC. Like, who... Greatest rivalry of all time, Michael. Jesus, I would have done. I would have done a WWE title match. I mean, you could have had Brian win the WWE title in a match that's, you know, maybe Triple H. I, I don't know, you could do this so many different ways. You you could have done that Triple H and Daniel Bryan match. Only Triple H is WWE champion and Brian wins the title. You could have done Shawn Michaels and Daniel Bryan. Ideally, that's that, that's legit the ideal where Shawn Michaels because they, they tease that a little bit at Hell in a Cell. They tease that during that um, championship. Ascension, uh, like you know, segment. You could have done Brian and Michaels, it, it, maybe. I mean, ideally, you do Punk and Steve Austin in the main event. That's what you could have done, but nonetheless, nonetheless. <laughs> anyway, yeah, th- there's um, a lot of X factors here because Punk was supposed to wrestle Triple H, as we know, and yeah. he left. And Punk leaving really kind of threw a little bit of a wrench into the show. It was like Vince was like, "Damn it, pal! I gotta give, I gotta get that ruthless aggression main event." You know, he wanted to do Batista and Orton at WrestleMania 26 and 27. I mean, 22 and 27. Ah, Jesus Christ. He wanted to do Batista versus Orton at WrestleMania 22 and 23, but Orton kept screwing that up every time. And I think Batista yeah. got hurt one year, Orton got suspended, whatever. So it was just kind of Vince being stubborn, like, I have to do this. Everybody loves Batista. They're going to hate Orton because, by God, he's a heel. And it just didn't work. Yeah. Like, that was just such a flat main event. Could you imagine? Like, th- th- this show would have sucked if we would have had Batista and Orton as the main event match. Triple H versus Punk, Daniel Bryan versus Sheamus on the undercard, Brock versus <laughs> Taker. That they're feuding because Taker stabbed Paul Heyman with a pen. Like, yeah, it would have been just, it would have been a brutal show. But I'll give you my case as to why I love this this pay per view. Yeah, I was so invested into the Daniel Bryan getting screwed over storyline. In hindsight, I look at it now, seven years later, like, yeah, that kind of sucked. But at the time, I was really invested in it. I, At the time it was great. At the time it was genuinely really good. Like straight up. Like yeah, awesome. yeah, it was really good. Must watch TV. It's the most must see Raw has been in ever since. I don't think I think that's 
don't even think that's arguable. Daniel Bryan and the Yes Movement and versus the Authority, that was such a good feud. But you had like this case where, looking back at it, Daniel Bryan won the title like three times before WrestleMania. So that kind of watered it down a little bit because he won the belts at Hell in a Cell or whatever, Night of Champions, whatever pay-per-view it was. And then Triple H was like, uh, uh, sorry, pal, give me the belt back on Monday. You didn't earn it or whatever. And yeah. it was just the culmination of the story. It was like, is WWE going to push Daniel Bryan? Are they going to give him the big moment? Is Triple H going to beat him? That was the whole dynamic. Because I went into it genuinely thinking that Triple H was going to beat Daniel Bryan. Like, that's really what I thought. Like, Triple H was going to beat Daniel Bryan. And he was going to have the, the evolution, evolution of Triple Threat Match. And Triple Threat Main Event, yeah. That, like, yeah, that's, exactly. yeah, that's really what I thought. I was like, no, there's no way Daniel Bryan is going to face Batista and Randy Orton. Like, looking back, yeah, it was pretty obvious. Like, yeah, Daniel Bryan is going to win the belt. But at the time, I was like, nah, Triple H is going to beat him. Like, why would they push Daniel Bryan? He's he's not a big merch seller. He's not a big star. Like, yeah, I love him. He's one of my favorite wrestlers. But, like, I don't look at it. Like, I look at it from a different lens. Like, just because I love him doesn't mean he, have to, he has to be in the main event. And I was just super invested. It was really that storyline, really, that made this media watchable. And then the whole thing with John Cena and Bray Wyatt. That story was awesome, too, I thought. Bray Wyatt. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, I'll, sorry, really quickly interrupt. But, like, we are doing the best of WrestleMania. I want to say WrestleMania 30, two of the best video packages in wrestling history, Cena and Wyatt legacy, insane. That's phenomenal. And then Daniel Bryan's monster one. Oh my God. Like that was insanely good. It's like, they were amazing. Bryan and Triple H in the opening match. Damn good. Like fantastic WrestleMania match. The opening segment I really liked. So that was good. Cesaro winning the battle Royal body, you know, literally lifting up big show, walking across the ring with him. And throwing him out, that was insane. Cena and White, I genuinely liked. I thought that the streak breaking was nuts. And then the main event was, I'm not the biggest fan of in hindsight, but generally a lot of good in this show. So yeah, back to back to the point you were saying, Kevin. Yeah, the, um, the story is so good from Cena and White. It was such a good story. It was kind of like the embrace the hate story with Cena and Kane, but Bray Wyatt's just, you know, so much better. Let's just be honest. Bray Wyatt's just a great, he was on fire. This was the peak of Bray Wyatt until The Fiend hit. Like, uh, it was just crazy, bro. It was, you know, the whole world Kevin, in his hands. Kevin, yeah, it's too true, too true. Legit, compare Embrace the Hate Kane to Bray Wyatt in 2014. Embrace the Hate Kane was threatening Eve Torres and pushing Zack Ryder, who was already in a neck brace and a wheelchair, pushing him off scaffolding. That was legit Embrace the Hate. And Cena was like, it, it, Cena was in the ring doing his, like, conflicted face. And then meanwhile, you had Bray Wyatt who was literally at the top at his apex as the cult leader persona. Just, they just come off beating the shield. Bray Wyatt wants to take down Cena's legacy. People thought Wyatt could genuinely win. It was phenomenal, but yeah, keep going, keep going. Yeah. And then the mat, the finish was what it was. John Cena beats him clean. It's like, Oh, okay. That like that, that kind of took the, it, it took the air right out of Bray Wyatt's balloon. It was like, ah, WWE doesn't see this guy as a big deal. He, he, he couldn't get through the Cena wall, if you will. But the story going into that match was so good. Such a well-built up match. And then Brock and Undertaker, like you said, like we both said, the, the buildup sucked. They're fighting over because then Brock is mad because Taker stabbed his, you know, 55-year-old manager with a pen. Okay, whatever. You know, it, Undertaker's a 50-year-old man himself, 50-year-old dead guy versus a former UFC fighter. If we're really talking about what this was, there was nothing there. It was just, oh, we're going to have Undertaker's big streak match. Brock Lesnar's coming after the streak. We have nothing for Brock to do, so we'll have him go after the streak. But I went into it thinking... There's no way, like everybody else, there's no way that Brock's going to win. No way. It's like, it's a 100% guarantee. If you if I was a betting man, I would put all my money on The Undertaker. 
and I would have lost all my money because it was just such a shocking moment. The the streak losing, you couple the the streak being defeated, one of the most shocking, if not the most shocking moment in wrestling history. You couple that with Daniel Bryan and the Yes Movement culmination. Daniel Bryan winning the belts from Batista and Orton. You could clown it and say, yeah, Daniel Bryan beat guys bigger than him. Whatever, it's it's wrestling. It's all it is yeah. what it is. You know, yeah. it's it's a show. It's it's all about the entertainment. Daniel Bryan holding the belt, celebrating with his family. Really just a great show, top to bottom, I thought. You know, I mean, uh, the Shield squashing Kane and the New Age Outlaws was kind of unnecessary, but everything else was really good. It was short. It's watchable. It's not like WrestleMania 35, where it's just this eight-hour bore fest with two good matches. This was seven solid matches, straight to the point, top to bottom. I could rewatch it any day of the week. But, but Kevin, we didn't talk about the Vicky Guerrero Davis Invitational. Oh. Kevin, oh god, come on! No, um, yeah, the Mania Thirties is objectively a you know pretty damn oh. good show. Um, the, wait, 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 we got to talk about something. I'm sorry, but I didn't, I didn't, we got to talk about the opening segment yeah. real quick with Taker, oh, yeah. Rock, and I mean not Taker with Rock, Austin, and Hogan. This is the Mount Rushmore of wrestling. Three fourths of the Mount Ro- Mount Rushmore of WWE wrestling, right there in the ring, and it felt genuine. Yeah. It wasn't forced. You had Hulk Hogan coming out. I think he was the host of WrestleMania. He's butchering the name of the stadium. He creates this meme. He he was back in 1987. He was like, oh, in the Silver Dome, brother. It, I mean, it's just hilarious, bro. Then The Rock comes out, and The Rock is making fun of that. Oh, like, only The Rock can. Stone Cold comes out, and it's like, wait, hold on. Are, are we going to see somebody get stunned? Is, like, The Rock going to beat up Hogan? Is are Austin and Rock going to fight again? Like, what the hell is going to happen? It was a great WrestleMania moment. And everything I just said, you take that and you compare it to WrestleMania 32, where you have Stone Cold, Shawn Michaels, and Mick Foley marching down to the ring, ready to confront the League of Nations, like Wade Barrett just like slept with Steve Austin's wife or something. They're coming down. <laughs> they're coming down to get their comeuppance on the evil Wade Barrett and Alberto Del Rio. They're they're marching down to the ring in Dallas, Texas, and then Stone Cold's busting a move. With Kofi Kingston or whatever, Shawn Michaels is twerking with Kofi Kingston. Stone Cold's doing the, the Car- Stone Cold's doing the Carlton with Xavier Woods. Biggie's busted a move with Mick Foley. You compare the two, and it's like one of them felt like a genuine awesome moment. Three of the greatest wrestlers of all time in the ring: The Rock making fun of Hogan, Stone Cold just like talking to them. It was just cool seeing those three guys chop up, man. It was an awesome moment. It was a great way to start the 30th anniversary of WrestleMania. It was I, I can't put words to it. Legit, that opening segment of WrestleMania 30 sums up, like, the greatness of wrestling's past, like, perfectly. And then the WrestleMania 32, <laughs> let's have Shawn Michaels, Mick Foley, and Steve Austin bust a move with the New Day. That's everything wrong with wrestling. I think that's a fair way to put it. So, with that being said, we, we can now forever forget about Steve Austin doing the, you know, busting the move with Xavier Woods and... Mick, you know, Mick Foley shimmying with Big E. We can forget about that forever. Now we can move on to another good WrestleMania, another best of WrestleMania. Let's talk about WrestleMania 24, Kevin. I think 24 is a good one to go to. This show was just... Yes, sir, wow. pal. Give us your thoughts, pal. But before I do that, I'm going to give you 60 seconds on WrestleMania 33 because it, it was like... The, the WrestleMania in the 30s have been mostly bad. We talked about this last week. 30-31 were really good. 33 was just average. Like, it was an average well, WrestleMania. Why is that? Why is that? You know, why Why haven't the Manias in the past six-ish years been good? Do, do, is there a reason? Oh, we've, we've already talked about that. I don't even have to go there. You already know. If you want to hear our thoughts, listen to last week's episode. So, 
Wrestlemania. Oh, Blake, I'm not going to follow Blake. Go on. Go on. WrestleMania 33, it was just like a really long ma- show that was like a bunch of matches thrown together. But I want to shout out Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg and AJ Styles versus Shane McMahon. May, one of, it, not not the best, but one of the best opening matches, I think, from in-ring quality in the history of WrestleMania. Would you agree? It has to be, like, top six out of, like, top oh, good yeah. quality opening matches. Oh, it's definitely up there. Like, if we're talking about the best matches ever to open a Mania, I mean, Owen and Brett is, like, the, the one by far. And then, yeah, a Styles and Shane is not far off. Like, Styles and Shane is really good. Yeah, um, you, I remember at the time, real, I'll say this real quick, then go you ahead, just go on, what are you going to say? I remember at the time people were furious because Styles had just been WWE champion for like a few months and they're having him versus Shane McMahon. It's like him facing Vince McMahon's son is like a, a demotion. Like, okay, like what, should Styles be main eventing the show? Like, eh, I don't know, but nonetheless, nonetheless, gone. Like, oh, I was just going to say that, you know, you have Triple H, Brian, Owen, Brett, like those are, that come to my mind, the top WrestleMania opening matches and I, AJ and Shane isn't far off. And, like, if we're going back in history, you look even four years ago, the build-up for AJ and Shane McMahon was damn good. It wasn't a great build-up, but I liked it. You know, I, I, they had some cool segments, like the one segment where AJ put Shane through a, through the, the window of the limo, and he beat him up in the back. Like, I remember that. It stands out in my mind. So, it's for me, that's a good moment, if I remember it, and I think fondly of it. And, so yeah, I mean, yeah, that's... It stands, out, it stands out in your mind more than just, oh, he stabbed him with a pen. Oh, he, he poured kitty litter on a 52 year old man <laughs> oh like oh the, the build-up was that there was none and that they were gonna have a great match for these fans exactly like, the build-up was that the build-up was that oh vince mcmahon was accepting a legacy of excellence award and then his his 48 year old son came out and started shimming like <laughs> you know <laughs> exactly yeah like i said this wrestlemania wasn't great so i don't want to go in too long on it but there was two good well, matches. People, a lot of people like it. A lot of people like 33. And it, it, fair enough. Like, you know, the set was probably the best WrestleMania set ever, objectively. No, no doubt. Personally, yeah. When you were there, what was it like in person? Oh, that, um, that set's amazing. Uh, uh, that set, uh, I'll, show, I'll send you some of the pictures I have from that set. It's just amazing seeing it in person. It was like, yeah, I was just, I was looking at it like, bro, i never seen anything like this at WrestleMania. You know, there's, it was a whole different level in terms of sets. Also, can we, can we talk about sets for a moment? Because I feel like the WrestleMania sets are like something we probably need to mention. Sets-wise, WrestleMania is like insane. Outside of 35 and 36, for obvious reasons, the ones before that, 34 was stunning. Amazing. 33 was insane. Like, I'll get, get your thoughts. I mean, I didn't really remember 32. 31 with the play button. 30 was epic as well. 29 was insane. Like, give us some thoughts on WrestleMania sets. Yeah, I think, uh, I think from about 29 up, is probably when WrestleMania, when the WrestleMania sets really took off. You know, like 26 to 27, 28, they were okay. They were, they were good sets. Yeah. Like 26 especially was pretty good. Outdoor in Arizona. It was a nice set. Nice looking stage. Very pleasing aesthetically. Uh, the 25 set was nice. The silver anniversary set. But it was just another level once they got to Orlando and they did the Universal the Universal Studios set. It was, bro. Um, I, I can't do it justice. Like, I'm seeing it in person. It's stunning. It's breathtaking. It, you don't, get the same feeling watching it on, on tv and i can't i can't imagine about 34 too 34 was absolutely amazing the, the uh i wish i was there in person for like just just to see the set for 33 and the set for 34 like that 34 set in person wow it, it's, it's so aesthetically wow. pleasing yeah. yeah so aesthetically pleasing. but yeah back to 33 um brock lesnar goldberg they got to redo their match 
that they had, that terrible match they had at WrestleMania 20, that stinker. They got to redo it, and it was damn good. It should have closed the show. They really should have closed the show with that. I don't know why they put out a, a hobbled Undertaker and Roman Reigns at midnight in the hot sun in Florida. I don't know why they would do that. Have, <laughs> have them go 23 minutes to main event the show. But, you know, Brock and Goldberg... What, what what can I say that we haven't talked about already? I think we covered this already in our Goldberg episode. This match was what pro wrestling is. Two badass guys just beating each other up. Well, it was great. Oh, it was, it was epic. Like that, that was the thing. Like, Brock Goldberg, five minutes of just all out just combat. It was insane. Like I I, I kind of wish they made the executive decision like day of WrestleMania or like WrestleMania weekend. Like it, you've seen the last ride documentary series, obviously. So. When, the, the, when they have those shots of Mark Calloway with like all the bandaging around his hips, and he has like that pillow thing on his hip, and he's like he can barely walk like five hours before WrestleMania. And I'm thinking to myself, this is who they're having main event. Like, uh, I know what they were trying to do the whole farewell of Taker, but in hindsight, Kevin, just it wasn't it. It just wasn't it, Chief. It, it was worth the shot. I mean, Jim Ross coming out, like having a special entrance just to call this match. That was cool. Everybody was happy to see good old JR. It was awesome. But yeah, it's just hobbled Undertaker, the young gun Roman Reigns doing his damnedest to try to carry him. It just, it wasn't good. It just, it wasn't good. What, 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 it's been said already. Um, I, I thought the build up to this too, this had some really good builds. When you look at the overall matches, like I'm thinking about it now as we're talking about it, the build up for AJ and Shane was really good. The build up for Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho was really good. Minus the fact that, you know, Goldberg beat Kevin Owens like three weeks before the show and they gave Jericho the U.S. title to have a title for the feud. But the whole like friendship of festival segment and their whole rivalry and their partnership was really good. The build up for John Cena, Nikki Bella, The Miz and Maurice was awesome. The famous promo where John Cena told The Miz he was shooting blanks. Um, Seth Rollins mm-hmm. and Triple H, the build up for that was really good. The build up for Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt was damn good. The match sucked. The execution sucked, but the build up was really good. Like, what did you say that this was like going in? They had some really good stories. You know, we talked about 31 having bad creative. There was nothing but good creative going into, into 33. Yeah, because, the, because this is a time period where SmackDown for the past seven months has been like overall like a really good product. So there's a good lead in with SmackDown. Raw, people, you know, I mean, Jericho and Owens was like good. I mean, the rest of Raw was Seth Rollins calling himself the, the King Slayer or whatever. And that was legit it. So. I don't know, like, it's all around, it was built up well, like, objectively. As far as modern era WrestleMania, it was probably the best build up WrestleMania in, God, probably <laughs> since 28? 28, like, yeah. Easy, easy. Because, yeah, like, a lot of them, ugh, build-wise, yuck, yuck. But nonetheless, I mean, build was really good. You mentioned Jim Ross and commentary there. I want to mention this, because we're talking about the best of WrestleMania. I tweeted this the other day, but WrestleMania, it, it's just, it doesn't feel the same that Jim Ross you know, like his voice is so iconic and synonymous with WrestleMania. And I guess that would kind of segues into like the, the more old school WrestleManias. Mm-hmm. But like Jim Ross's voice is just, it goes part and parcel with Mania, does it not, Kevin? Oh, absolutely. You look at some of the famous matches, Undertaker, Sean. Would that have been the same if Michael Cole was calling it instead of Jim Ross? I don't know. It would have been a great match, but Jim Ross just like having, just having a conniption every near fall. It was. He's so good, bro. And then he was like... Well, I know someone's going to try and pick you up on this. Yes, Michael Cole was on commentary, but no one remembers a thing he said. Everyone remembers, fuck off! We just had an out-of-body experience! Like, that's all anyone remembers. People remember Jim Ross screaming. 
They remember Michael Cole going, oh my, oh, it's heaven versus hell, John, do Like, no one remembers that. So. Yeah, exactly. And you have, like, Jim Ross, why, Austin? Why'd you do it, damn it? At the end of WrestleMania 17, it was so good. Incredible. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think we should talk about the what I call the golden era of WrestleMania. WrestleMania 17 to 24. They WWE did not miss. Every single WrestleMania from that period was good. All of them. Wait, what did you yeah. agree? Oh, God, yeah. Like, that, that whole time period... So, so Kevin, could you just briefly so so, so, so walk me through the, the golden era? So we're starting at seventeen, going to twenty-four. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, yep. They did. Yeah, not I think miss. that time that time period just wow, wow. I'll let you say whatever you want about that time period, Kevin. Damn good across the board. They didn't miss. Right. They what I, what I look at from that time period is the moments. WrestleMania seventeen, Austin Rock. WrestleMania eighteen, Rock Hogan. WrestleMania nineteen. Rock, um, Rock Austin again, Hogan, Vince, the moments, WrestleMania 20, the triple threat match at the end, Eddie and Benoit hugging. I know it's, I know I'm not glorifying it, but at the time that it was a good moment in 2000. That was epic at the time. That was at, exactly at the time it was epic, but you can't deny that. So yeah. yeah. Tw- mm-hmm. WrestleMania, uh, WrestleMania 21, Triple H Batista, larger than life moment. WrestleMania, what, 22, Cena Triple H, 23. Cena, Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, Batista, The Battle of the Billionaires, and then WrestleMania 28, Undertaker, Edge, Floyd Mayweather, Big Show. Those are off the top of my head. I just named the the these massive moments from these great WrestleManias that I remember, and I don't even have to think about it, and I remember those off the top of my head. Unbelievable stuff, man. Yeah, absolutely. Like, every WrestleMania, it, it felt epic because... One of the things, one of the reasons I think that, well, for one, commentary, we just mentioned a moment ago, Jim Ross, Jerry Lawler, you had like Taz and Cole doing like the SmackDown side of things. Commentary was absolutely on point. They made WrestleMania feel epic. When Jim Ross at the end of WrestleMania 20 is saying like, by God, for all money, it's the greatest WrestleMania I've ever seen. Like it feels, it makes it feel so epic and it gives you like such a sense of like, I don't know, positivity when it comes to the WrestleManias. So that's really good. I think the shows themselves, what makes the 17 through 24 time period so good, it's the amount of talent that was like on display. Like the, the amount of talent across Raw, SmackDown, and like Legends, ungodly. That's why you look at a show like WrestleMania 19 and Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho, which nowadays would be by far the biggest and best match on the card. That was in the middle of the show. That match went on fifth. And it was literally the fifth most important match on the show. And it was a five-star classic with a you know, great storyline that had two big superstars involved. You know, like that's how insane the talent was. And as a result, you get these massive stacked WrestleManias that everyone remembers fondly. Whereas nowadays, it's like, oh, well, WrestleMania is good, but that's because well, the in-ring, the in-ring stuff's good, but we don't really remember any of the big names involved, and no one's really going to remember anything about this show five years from now. You know, it's like that, that's yeah, absolutely well put. I, I can't even say it better than that. You hit the nail on the head, and I'm going to expand, and I'm going to talk about WrestleMania 17 as a whole. Like you said, the talent, the influx of talent is amazing. You have Kane in a thrown-together triple threat match against Raven and Big Show. Kane and Big Show, two of the largest icons in the history of wrestling. Two of the most Kevin, famous people. Kevin, Kevin, what, on that, what did Kane do two months before? Please remind us. At the Royal Rumble, what he, did Kane do? He was the most dominant competitor in the history of the Royal Rumble. Ima- yeah, imagine if that happened in 2021. Um, bro, imagine if WWE had Bobby Lashley come out, eliminate 13 people, 
and then they put him in the opening match on the card at WrestleMania 37 in a triple threat match against The Miz and John Morrison. People would be having a conniption oh. about Bobby Lashley doing that, bro. <laughs> oh, WWE's racist. I hate Bobby Lashley. WWE, he, he deserves better. Hey, this is disgusting from WWE. But in 2001, <laughs> they had so much talent that Big Show and Kane, you could get away with that easily. They could easily, literally, it was the hardcore title. Imagine if Bobby Lashley eliminated 12 people in the Rumble, and then a WrestleMania who's you know, wrestling R-Truth and Bobby <laughs> Omos for the 24 set. Imagine that. And that's what they did in 2001, because the personnel was that great, and because the show was that stacked. You could get away with that. And like, real quick, before I get, get back to you for your thoughts, people say AW Dynamite nowadays is stacked because John Silver's wrestling Sean Spears. If, if that's stacked, what is WrestleMania 17? What is that? Kane was the most dominant wrestler ever two months prior at the Rumble, and he was in the third match of the night, a random hardcore title match against Raven and the Big Show. Just a throwaway random third match of the night. If that is stacked, when we have John Silver versus Alex Reynolds, or I don't even know, John Silver, <laughs> Alex Reynolds versus... Cody and Cesar Benini on Dynamite. Oh, man. Like, that isn't stacked. You don't know what the word means. Oh, anyway, all right, all right. Let, 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 let me stop you, bro. Okay, so right. let me stop you there before you get... You're going to get us canceled. All the AEW fans are going to sh- throw dislikes at us. John Silver <laughs> versus Sean Spears is not a... St- oh, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> okay, so Kane and Big Show. That's two Hall of Famers in a meaningless match. Then the opening match on the card, you have, an, you have two more Hall of Famers, Chris Jericho and William Regal having a seven-minute opener for the IC title. And then you have one of the greatest of all time, my favorite wrestler of all time, Eddie Guerrero, another first ballot Hall of Famer, in a meaningless undercard match versus Test. If that isn't enough, if that's not a testament of the talent, then we have Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit having a regular old match just because Kurt Angle was mad that Benoit made him tap when the ref wasn't looking. Kurt Angle was Roman Reigns before Roman Reigns. Kurt Angle was doing, you know, he was doing um, hand gestures, hand signs before Roman was, you know, because Roman didn't tap, right? You know, Kurt Angle didn't tap either. You guys get it. So that look at the talent there. Kurt Angle, Chris Benoit on the undercard in a match with no build. The literal, literally the build was Kurt Angle was mad that he tapped out when the ref wasn't looking. What more can I say? Shane McMahon versus Mr. McMahon. Oh, my son, Shane. And the story, I talked about this in the video I made about WrestleMania 17. This, the storyline for this match is probably the most detrimental storyline in the history of pro wrestling. Right? W- would you say? What, the Vince and Shane one? Yes. Shane, you know, uh, Vince having Trish bark like a dog. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I, remember, I remember the Vince interview. Was it Bob Costas? Was the, the one Vince went on? This was like 01. And it's like, so are, are you condoning? The, the the behaviors that, that we see on WWF programming where Vince McMahon is making Trish bark like a dog on you know TV and Vince had to literally explain it's a TV show Vince gets his comeuppance in the end per storyline don't need to overreact like that storyline was just it was a it was a it was a hot mess like it was just I don't even know where to begin with it Kevin like yeah oh my god yeah I, I've been doing a ton of research about this stuff because I'm making my my video about Chris Benoit and this this storyline. Hands down, the most detrimental fictional storyline in the history of wrestling. Like that, they, they, they use footage of this storyline to against Linda and her Senate campaign, like her kicking Vince in the balls and whatever, condoning violence, it, bro. But at the time, it was crazy. Enough about that. TLC two, 
took place on this card. Edge and Christian and the Hardys, the Dudleys going nuts for the tag team championships. Undertaker versus Triple H, literally no build. It was just like, it was like a Randy Orton match in 2010. Oh, we're going to put them together, pal. See what they do. Undertaker and Triple H beat the hell out of each other. And then Stone Cold and Rock in the main event. Like, that's a stacked card. How, how is it not? Stacked card, bro. Well, that, that is a stacked card. I'm, AW Dark is not a stacked show every week. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, legit. The main is 17. I mean, there's not much you can really say that hasn't been said. I mean, outside of the ending, which, like, I watched OTRS Central's WrestleMania 17 review the other day. Which is video, it's like a six-year-old video. It, the, the video is titled WrestleMania X7 Review. I hate this show, which it has like 600 likes, like 500 dislikes. The whole point he makes is good, as far as the reason he hates the show is the ending, and the ending to this show. Kevin, what do you think of it? What do you think? I mean, you made you just made the video, so just just re- refresh for us what you thought of the ending. The ending, the ending for what it was, the moment Austin and Vince. Shaking hands. It was something nobody ever thought they would see coming. It was shocking. Similar to The Undertaker streak breaking. It was like one of those things that pissed a lot of people off too. Because people were not ready to boo Stone Cold. Everybody loved Stone Cold. He was the icon of all icons. He's you know the biggest baby face ever. And he was just like trying to stay relevant. Trying to stay fresh. And he kind of overthought things a little bit. Stone Cold did. And he didn't realize that people still loved him. He got kind of insecure. And it was, uh, you know, it was kind, of, it was detrimental to WWE's business, because if you think about it, if Stone Cold just stays a babyface for the next year, he's going to be the hottest guy going still, and then he'll be defending the title against whoever Triple H next year or something at WrestleMania, whoever it would be. And yeah, instead we get a, a mediocre Stone Cold heel turn, and then the crowd really stopped caring about him, and then he made the what chant that kind of got him back in, in there, but he just felt like a regular old wrestler after that. What? What? <laughs> He just felt like another guy on the roster. It, it hurt. What? The ending to the, the ending <laughs> yeah. to this show hurt. What? What? I mean, what can I say? What? What did you think about it? Well, legit, like the visual of Austin and Vince shaking hands, iconic. I think everything was perfect up until like they do the handshake. Cool. Jim Ross is literally losing his mind on commentary. Jim Ross is having a full on conniption on commentary. It was epic. You've got literally Austin and McMahon. The two guys who their rivalry fueled the Attitude Era, fueled Raw beating Nitro in ratings, fueled the death of WCW because Bischoff had nothing to counter, you know, you know, counter program that. Those two, you have you know the, the biggest anti-hero ever shaking hands with his evil, dastardly boss who everyone's supposed to hate. Okay, cool moment. What they should have done then is have Austin kick Vince in the balls, stun him, and then that's how you end the show. If they ended it like that, this is like, I mean, even more objective than it already is, the greatest wrestling event of, just ever. I mean, most people will really view it as that. I, I pretty much do as well. But if just, if they tweak that ending a tiny bit, it would have been so much more perfect. But yeah, yeah. that's all. And, and Austin has said in interviews many times that he would have done that in, in hindsight. And that would have been, I mean, you think about a crazy moment. If Stone Cold, he, you know, the he, uh, the babyface Stone Cold, he tricks Vince into thinking they have an alliance. And he just kicks Vince in the balls after Vince helps him win the belt. Imagine where they could have gone with that storyline. Oh, so epic. So, because the whole thing was the, as you said in your video, Austin, you know, would do absolutely anything it takes to beat The Rock, so much so that he literally aligned with a guy who he spent literally four years beating the crap out of. He'd align with him just so he could beat The Rock and win the title. Like, that was an epic story. And then if Austin would have gone, psych, 
cop that Vince, kick him in the balls, stunner. That's epic. But, you know, this is WWE. The last 20 years have been rough creatively, Kevin, for the most part. So, yeah. Yeah. Yes, Fine. sir. All right, let's, let's keep going. Let's keep rolling with the greatness of WrestleMania. WrestleMania 18. What more do we have to say? WrestleMania 18, you know what happened. Icon versus Icon. The Rock versus Hulk Hogan. I, I, is this the most famous wrestling match that's ever ever took place, in your opinion? Well, well there are three of them. There, there's, there's Hogan, Andre, Hogan, Rock, and then Rock Cena. Those are the three. I, I don't, at least that's what I, I don't know what you think, but like each generation has the most iconic match. For people who you know, lived through, like, in the Attitude Era, like that kind of time period, Rock Hogan was like the most iconic match. I feel, I mean, Rock Austin as well, to be fair, but I don't know, Kevin, like this match was just stunning. This is star rating wise. This is an objective five-star match. And I, I'm not hearing otherwise. You, like, you, I don't care that Dwayne Johnson didn't hit a 720 plancher flip and a bunch of great work rate. What you saw in this match was 70,000 people standing up, screaming, reacting for every little thing these guys, every movement, the crowd was losing it. It was incredible. And just, you can't recreate that magic. Like, you watch this back, especially nowadays where there's the pandemic and there's no crowds, you watch this back and you get chills and goosebumps. It's insane. Like, what do you think? Absolutely. For me, the, for me, this is the biggest match. Uh, subjectively, to me, this is the biggest wrestling match that's ever taken place. Most famous, you know, the most hype. For me, because I was young. This is like one of my early memories of, of WrestleMania, The Rock and Hogan. It was just another level. You have Hulk Hogan and The Rock. They're eating out of the palm. Of the, the crowd is eating out of the palm of their hands. Everything they're doing, the crowd is popping for. And the biggest plot twist of the night was everybody turning on Hogan. I mean, not turning on Hogan, turning on Rock and cheering Hogan. And The Rock just went with it. The Rock started wrestling like the heel. You think about it, if you put like Johnny Gargano and like Adam Cole in this situation, they're not going to know what to do. If the crowd starts booing one of them that they're not supposed to boo, they would be like, what? Oh, I don't know what to do. Rock just went with it. Started if wrestling you, as a heel. Matt Riddle, if you put Matt Riddle in that situation, he'd go, uh, what, bro? And he'd just walk out and leave. <laughs> like, jeez. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Rock he versus... He was in character. Kept... Yeah, sure. Anyway, go on. Go on. The, go on. The, the Rock versus Hogan. Yes, people will say we could have gotten... Stone Cold versus Hogan. We should have gotten Hogan, Stone Cold versus Hogan, but it didn't happen. It is what it is. Whatever. You know, Rock versus Hogan, the biggest icons in the in the history of wrestling, arguably, you can make that statement that they're the two biggest, going one-on-one. And like you said, they didn't have to do work rate. It was basic one-on-one wrestling. Headlocks, you know, clotheslines, Irish whips. It was nothing too sophisticated. And it worked. For what it was, it worked. And they got the crowd... 70,000 people in Toronto and it was just a moment that like you said you get goosebumps it's a moment in time you turn the sound off and you watch the match maybe the match sucks but it's one of those where the crowd reaction just makes it and that's what wrestling is supposed to be wrestling is about making money drawing a crowd getting people invested and there's no match that's ever had people invested the way that this one did like yeah like if you watch this match muted the same with Hogan Andre same with these titles like Hogan Warrior if you watch the match on mute, the match, it sucks. But that that's not what wrestling's about. Wrestling it, it, wrestling was always a circus act to try and get the crowd engaged. Wrestling was like theater, trying to get the crowd involved. And this match, it was everything wrestling like should be and needs to be about. One thing I'll say now, considering how incredible Hogan Rock was at WrestleMania 18, could Austin and Hogan have done any better? Like, I, I don't really think they could have. Like, the, the Rock's whole thing is that he's the most electrifying man you know, the, he's the people's champion. He has the crowd in the palm of their hand. 
I think The Rock was perfect for this match. I don't think Austin could have done a better job. Like, yes, Austin in wrestling was a bigger star. So in that sense, it would have been good. But Rock and Hogan was the perfect dynamic. It, it's, it's similar to Ric Flair and Randy Savage from WrestleMania like 8. You know, like, yes, you could have done Hogan versus Flair because they were bigger stars. Like, Hogan's a bigger star than Savage. But Savage and Flair was just an epic dynamic. So what do you think of that? Well, the, uh, I'll counter I'll counter your argument, and I'll say this: Stone Cold would have gave it a different dynamic in the sense where the crowd they wouldn't have turned on Stone Cold the way they turned on The Rock. Stone Cold was their sure. guy. It would have been who are they going to cheer now? Because this is the two top faces in the history of wrestling at the time. There was no bigger than Austin Hogan. Who's the crowd going to cheer? It would have been interesting to see what would have happened. Would they have booed Hogan out the building? Would they have all? Would they have booed Stone Cold? I don't know. Would half? Would have they been divided? Would it have been half Austin, half Hogan? That dynamic there would have been great. And I think you have Austin flipping Hogan the bird. That's a moment right there. That's a WrestleMania moment in history that we didn't get. You know the the Stone Cold stunner, the leg drop, just playing all the hits, doing all the sports entertainment things. It would have been really good. Yeah, the match probably would have sucked too, but you know it is what it is. But I, yeah, I it, would think... been a complete, it would have been a different dynamic because, I mean, uh, it, would, it would have been similar but different, you know? Like, it, at the same time, the crowd, 70,000 in the Sky Dome would have been erupting, obviously. But I don't even know. If, if Austin was in that, I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird to think about. It's revisionist history, revisionist thinking. It's fun to think about. I'd rather think about Hogan versus Rock or Hogan versus Austin as opposed to Baron Corbin interrupting the main event or Shane McMahon Vince's 51-year-old son pouring slime on a, a 39-year-old body lifter. Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> body lifter. I love it, pal. Yeah, yeah, body lifter, pal. And then you look at the rest of WrestleMania 18. It was a good show, top to bottom, too. RVD versus William Regal. You know, some of the matches here. Undertaker versus Ric Flair. Good match. Kurt Angle versus Kane was good. Uh, Triple H and Jericho was pretty good in the main event. They were dead to They were dead to the water having to follow The Rock and Hulk Hogan. It just wasn't fair having to follow that. But if they would have gone on before Rock and Hogan, they would have had a really good match too. But it is what it is, you know. And I, the card, it's not the best. It's not WrestleMania 17. It's not 19. It's not you know 22, top to bottom. But it is still a really good card that has some good highlights on it. Yeah, I mean, it draws the short, short end of the straw because it fell between 17 and 19. Like, yeah, I don't know. Um, anything else from WrestleMania 18? I think that's really Rock Hogan is like the main thing to talk about. We we did it. So yeah, exactly. Move on to. Do you want to move on to the, uh, the, the infamous Triple H and Booker T show? <laughs> oh, jeez. That's not fair to label it that. Nah. <laughs> uh, Re- WrestleMania 19. It's my, WrestleMania 19 is my personal favorite WrestleMania of all time. I love it. I, I just, I've watched this WrestleMania more than any other WrestleMania top to bottom. I never get tired of it. Uh, Triple H, Booker T aside, I just, I loved it. Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels in a 22-minute classic. Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon in a street fight. That's one of my favorite matches ever. That's like probably in my, my top 10 or 12 favorite matches. I never get tired of that match. I don't know why I love it so much, but I do. I, I really can't tell you. It's so good, in my opinion. Uh, Stone Cold versus The Rock. Stone Cold's retirement match. Brock Lesnar, Kurt Angle in the, the, the main event. I mean, that, that lineup of matches right there. Those four matches. Epic, right? Oh, God, yeah. Like, the thing about thing about WrestleMania 19 is the depth on the card. Like the amount of amazing matches. That we, I, I mentioned this earlier. Shawn and Jericho, this is an amazing storyline. Shawn Michaels is one of the biggest stars in wrestling for the past literally decade. Jericho main evented the previous year. And then literally they're going on in the middle of the show. 
that's how stacked this show was. Like you had Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan, 19 years in the making, this incredible storyline. They're bringing out the steroid trial and all this just oh, personal so good, stuff. Bro. Oh. They're mentioning Hogan leaving and Vince feeling betrayed and Vince wanting to get revenge on Hogan and just incredible. And one thing I want to mention here, Vince McMahon, like the like in ring, as like a seller, as like a heel, he's one of the best like in ring like you know, sellers. Like he puts over everything, you know, because he's he, in these matches like this Hogan one. He's bleeding, you know that that one spot in the match where Hogan's in the ring, Vince is like under the apron. He like you see his face, the crimson mask. He comes up looking like a super villain. Like that kind of stuff's just fun. Like Vince. His matches are fun. They're not not the greatest by any means, but they're just fun matches. And this straight fight was no exception. You know, it's fair to say. Absolutely, I love. I, I I can I could talk about this match for a whole hour. I I just I love this match. It's so good. It, but I'll move on from that because I don't want to be here for so long. The Rock versus Stone Cold. What can you say? Stone Cold Steve Austin's last match. We get Stone Cold's iconic entrance for the final time. It's like a you know eighty thousand people in a baseball stadium, whatever it was. Crazy. The Rock. Finally beat Stone Cold. That was the whole story. Rock needed to do one last thing in wrestling before he left for good to go to Hollywood. And that was beat Stone Cold. And it was just perfect. Yeah, you could look at this and you could say, yeah, they could have done different matches. Did Rock and Austin have to wrestle each other again? You know, did they have to? No. But they did, and it's great. And I'm not complaining. No, the show, 19 just clicked. Like, it, yes, outside of the ending to, you know, Triple H and Booker T, literally... The, the match lineup just worked. Like, everything about it, the stories clicked. Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar, the main event. Do you think that should have been main event? Personally, I, I'm fine with it because the fact of the matter is, at the time, those two guys, athletically, like, they would have had to have been two of the best, like, the very best athletes on the planet. Like, this is, like, prime. Brock Lesnar's, like, 25. He's naturally just a freak of nature. He is just insane. He's doing shooting star presses, for God's sake. Kurt Angle is ungodly. Like, those two guys, I just think to myself, my God. Like, I watch that back and think those two guys are just unbelievable, straight up. Yeah. Like, what do you think? They absolutely should have main evented it. It was the right thing to do because they were the guys that were going to be there going forward. Not Rock yes. and Austin, not Hogan and Vince. Uh, you damn sure couldn't have Triple H going to Starbucks for 25 minutes, coming back and pinning Booker T after a pedigree main eventing. That would have <laughs> that would have been terrible. Um and I, I wonder, like, I feel like the whole story with Triple H and Booker T was just, I, I wonder if they would have had, because the original plan was Scott Steiner versus Triple H. If Triple H had pedigree Scott Steiner and went to Starbucks and, you know, went to make TikToks and hang out with Stephanie and then came back and pinned him, I don't think people would complain, honestly. It, it's just... This would, be the goat, this would be the goat WrestleMania in people's eyes if, if they did that. Right. 19, I think... As far as the show, just, I mean, I'll real quickly cover this one more time before we move on to WrestleMania 20. WrestleMania 19, just main event, Angle, Lesnar, outside of Brock Lesnar nearly killing himself. I mean, outside of that, the show was damn good, just across the board, top to bottom. Whether it's your favorite WrestleMania of all time or your second favorite WrestleMania of all time, regardless, it, it realistically should be in your top, like, three, I'd hope, I'd assume, potentially. I don't know. So, awesome show. I think, just, yeah, I mean, what like, Angle, Lesnar, you'd book a T in Triple H, eh, not the best. Sean Jericho, Rock and Austin, casually, and you would want Hogan and Vince. Just that star power is insane. So with that being said, let's move on to Mania 20. Now, Kevin, I'll get your thoughts in a moment about WrestleMania 20. But one thing I just want to say real quick before you get to it, 
I know the ending and like the main event with Chris Benoit defeating Triple H, defeating Shawn Michaels in the triple threat match of the world title. I know that's such a controversial match and like, ending because of what Chris Benoit did. But that being said, Kevin, like, is that is that the greatest WrestleMania main event of all time? You know. Is it like as a match? Like, forget what Benoit did. Forget, just ignore that for the moment. Try and put that to the side. As a match, is that the best WrestleMania main event we've ever seen? All right. So, if you're asking me in terms of in ring quality, is that the best WrestleMania match? Or WrestleMania main event, I should say. Not best WrestleMania match. Best WrestleMania main event. I think it's pretty fair, you know, with all circumstances aside. We already know what happened with Benoit, whatever. Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Benoit, they put on a clinic. It's tough to argue. I mean, I, I think a lot of people would probably argue WrestleMania 26, Undertaker and Shawn was the best in-ring, bell-to-bell match. I think, you know, objectively, it's probably like top three or four when you look at just ring quality. Like, it was definitely in-ring. Probably a better match than like Austin Rock had at WrestleMania 17. Uh, probably a better in-ring match than like Cena and Triple H had some years later. Better than Hogan Warrior. Better than like Hogan Savage in ring, so yeah, I think that's pretty fair. But at right, WrestleMania twenty, it's so hard to talk about, bro. Honestly, like you look at this WrestleMania, and it's just so God, it's so stained by the fact that like Benoit is just littered all over the show. The fact that Benoit closed the show, the moment with him and Eddie hugging. If Benoit was alive, or if Benoit had died in a different way. If he didn't have this whole just negative stigma on his name and and WWE didn't have to erase him from history, this moment would be looked at as genuinely probably a top five moment in wrestling history. Nothing like it. You have Benoit finally making it to the top of the mountain. Eddie Guerrero staying at the top of the mountain after beating Kurt Angle. Two best friends that traveled all over the world together celebrating in the middle of the ring. The confetti coming down is such a great moment. But now we can't talk about it and rightfully so. I'm not going to sit here and glorify it. There was nothing, looking back at it, it's just, it's tough to watch. And I understand why people hate it and people never want to talk about it again. Completely understand it. Yeah, I think the whole, like, the 18-year odyssey thing, like, for what it was, not condoning Benoit and everything that surrounds him at all, for what this main event was, if you watch it not knowing anything, it's really good. Like, Jim Ross, once again... The commentary work he did, especially in the in the last like five minutes of the show, some of his best work ever, and that says a lot considering what Jim Ross has done. So that was just amazing. The eighteen year odyssey of Benoit—he's traveled mile after mile, continent after continent. He's he's now the world of HL. Like that's just epic. That that that's wrestling, pal. But yeah, I know Benoit and Eddie hugging each other—it's it's so bittersweet to watch back now. It really is like it's unbelievable. I mean, you you'll talk about this in your uh, your Benoit video, which might be out by now. Who knows? But yeah, that's just something. Um, outside of that, I mean, Eddie and Angle was a good match. Um, what do you think of it? Great cool. match. One of the best bell to bell. One of the best WWE Championship matches in WrestleMania in in history. Honestly, um, that match was great. I loved it. And the the finish was so creative. Eddie and Kurt Angle have great chemistry. They're probably each other's best opponents, arguably. You had Evolution, Batista, Randy Orton, and Ric Flair versus The Rock and Sock Connection. Really good, fun match that's really iconic looking back at it. Like, yeah, you could nitpick and say, oh, we could have got Batista versus Rock or Randy Orton versus Rock or Mick Foley versus Batista, you know, whatever. But for what it was, this was great. The Rock's promo leading up to it was great. 
Uh, Christian versus Chris Jericho was really good too. And then John Cena's coming out party was on this WrestleMania, right? I think that's fair to say. Like, this WrestleMania made John Cena a star, put him on the map. And Big Show did a lot for Cena's career that maybe Big Show doesn't get enough credit for. Would you say? Definitely. Yeah, Big Show is one of these guys. Like, because of all his heel and face turns, people are only going to associate him with that. But the amount he's done for, like, the, you know, the business and putting over talent and man's deserves so much more respect. But, yeah, Big Show, phenomenal stuff with Cena. Cena, you know, at the height of the Doctor of Thugonomics, this is great. It's like, um, you know, Madison Square Garden channel out, baby. <laughs> Big Show sucks. Like, that was great. Like, yeah, th- this show is know. so this weird to watch, like, 17 years later. It's so weird because, like you said, the height of Doctor of Thugonomics, Cena's getting cheered in New York City. Like, that'll, that probably wouldn't even happen today. Like, if Cena came back at MSG, people would boo him out of love, if that makes sense. Right, like they would do the yeah, whole Cena sucks. Yeah, yeah. Do the whole like John, John Cena, Cena sucks. Yeah, <laughs> they do it out of love for him. Like it's weird. It's just bizarre seeing John Cena getting cheered by the same crowd that was so quote unquote smart that booed Goldberg and Brock Lesnar out of the building because they knew both guys were leaving after the show. It's <laughs> it's a weird dynamic, but yeah, this show is pretty watchable. You know, for the most part, like if you watch up until like Eddie and and Kurt Angle. It's watchable. Or Undertaker and Kane, it's watchable. If you can't, I understand why you can't watch Benoit. Um, without, like I said, if Benoit didn't have the, the negative stigma and WWE didn't have to erase him, you know, if, if circumstances were different, um, it'd be easily one of the top 10 WrestleManias of all time, would you say? Oh, hell yeah. I mean, people still have Mania 20 as a top 10, but it, it's, it became so much more contentious because of events that have transpired. So, yeah, I think now we're, we're fit to move on to 21. This one is a fun one. I, I'm personally a big fan of 21. Mm-hmm. I think this show, 21 and 31, I see as similar types of shows, like good across the board, not perfect, but pretty damn good. Is that fair? Fair. I would say this I would say this is better than 31. Like, oh, God, definitely. It's definitely a better show, but they're similar in that regard. You know? I, I get what you're saying, yeah. I, I forgot that Ray and Eddie opened the show. Like, that has to be up there as, as, yeah, as a top yeah. five opening match in WrestleMania history. That has to be up there. And that, that just goes to show you the professionalism of Eddie. Eddie could have been like, nah, I was main event last year. I don't want to do this with Ray. But these two guys went out there and they stole the show. And they, they proved that you don't need to be in the main event to be special. You know, and they, they went out there. They killed it. Um, one of the best opening matches ever. They have great chemistry. You got, you know, the legend killer, Randy Orton against Undertaker, the first ever Money in the Bank ladder match, and Kurt Angle versus Shawn Michaels, all on the undercard. Man, that's a killer WrestleMania, bro. That's such an interesting point you make, though, about Eddie. Like, he was legit. So, co-main event, walked in WWE champion, and then won the match. Okay, so compare that to CM Punk. Sam Punk goes from co-main event, walks in WWE champion, retains his title, and then literally like the next what, WrestleMania or so, he's put in like a, a position that's not so desirable supposedly. Sam Punk quits. Eddie Guerrero is a professional and does his job. Interesting. So I thought I'd just bring that up because I mean you might as well just you know get might it, as well. Get yeah, you might as well. Yeah. You have you have two Hall of Famers, Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio, opening the show. It's crazy. Nowadays, Nuts, you know, yeah. you have like Dana Brooke and, or not Dana Brooke, you have like Otis and Dolph Ziggler with Dana Brooke and Otis's corner and Mandy Rose out there opening a card. 
Nowadays, you've got Nia Jack, literally Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler versus Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks opening a pay per view. You, how did we go? How did we get here? <laughs> oh, but but Kevin, Nia Jax doesn't look like most girls, pal. She does TikTok. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, then you got you know the first Money in the Bank ladder match. That that, that deserves a, a few minutes. Edge wins the first Money in the Bank, really puts it on the map. What more can you say? It's great. Awesome. It was all, like, look at the guys involved in that first Money in the Bank match. Do you have the card up in front of you, Kevin? I do. It's Benoit, Jericho, Christian, Kane, and Shelton Benjamin. All legends. All of them. Look at that field. And, like, you, you compare that to the Money in the Bank matches nowadays. Like, compare that to, the, like, the men's, like, the men's one in, like, you know, 2019, for example. Oh, like, God. what is it? Like, Andrade, Arley. Corbin. Like, Baron Corbin, the only good guy is Randy Orton in there. <laughs> it, it, like even then, Randy Orton—that was when he wasn't trying, so he wasn't even that good. You know, like it just <laughs> Money in the Bank's fallen off a, it's fallen off a bridge. Like, like what's happened to my? We'll talk about Money in the Bank in, in depth in like coming months in the build-up for those shows. But nonetheless, I think yeah, Money in the Bank was epic. Uh, we, we need to talk about Angle and Sean. Oh my god, wow! Like when I'm ta- when I'm thinking of a work-rate classic, that's my go-to match. That is like. Two guys, and there was like a legit story there. There was funny build. It wasn't just like nowadays where it's like, I'm going to put on a great match for these fans. Like there was legit, Shawn Michaels was doing these great segments. Angle was coming out there with Sherry doing Sexy Boy, but it was Sexy Kurt. And it was just, it was great. Like that is wrestling, pal. You know? like That's an iconic moment that lives forever. You know? And that was, and such a good match too. Kurt Angle and Sean, the best match on the card. One of the five or six best matches in WrestleMania history. Just an unbelievable match. And that there was no title associated with it. There was nothing. It was just these two guys are going to have a great match for these fans, pal. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and then Undertaker Randy Orton, we've talked about this like several times. Be that the Randy Orton bio, the Undertaker streak. We've talked about this a bunch, but yeah, it was good they didn't have Orton break the streak. Really good match. What more can you say? Like Mania 21 had a lot of good across the board. Like yeah, real good stuff. I'm like looking at this card. It's a nine match card. You take out Big Show and, and, and Akabono. This is like a perfect card, top to bottom. There's nothing wrong with the card. John Cena versus JBL. JBL is like the heel of all heels, stopping Mexicans at the border. And you know, John Cena, <laughs> I love you, C Nation. I love everybody. Ah, he loves me, Maggle. You know, and then you have Batista. Oh, so I've got to try that. Hold on, one second, one second. Everybody's nation. Hustle loves him. I'm a doctor with thugonomics nation. JBL, I'm going to spray paint your car, nation. And JBL, <laughs> I hate your guts, Cena. I hope your Christmas is terrible. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, you had, then you had Batista versus Triple H. One of my favorite rivalries of all time. One of the best. Batista beats Triple H. Batista becomes the face of WWE. And then John Cena, be, like he and John Cena both become the faces of WWE on the same night. WWE but, crowned their next superstar, their next big stars for the next like 10 years, 15 years. But, but Kevin, Triple H just buries people. Triple H, all Triple H does is bury people, even though he put Batista over at WrestleMania in the main event, at Backlash, and then at Vengeance inside Hell in a Cell. But all Triple H does is... Yeah, anyway. Anyway, anyway, moving on, moving on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, great, yeah. two great main events. Cena posing with the title, with the WWE title, Batista posing with the big gold belt. That ends the show. 
a really good WrestleMania, man. It didn't have any big, larger-than-life moments like Rock and Hogan. But overall, it was a great card, top to bottom. Anything you want to say about yeah. 21? Anything else you got to get out there? Not really. I don't really have anything else to say about 21. 22, we, do you want to talk more about that? Because you kind of talked about earlier. Do you want to get some more words in on 22? Yeah, let's do it. Edge and McFoley, bona fide classic, bro. Certified. Whatever well, you want to call it. Bona fide hate, pal. That's bona me, pal. <laughs> they love me, Maggle. Ah! Yeah, you got Edge and McFoley, bro. What more can you say, bro? You you watched the Untold on it? Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. Epic. An epic match, epic story. Or no, the Untold didn't come out yet, I don't think. Or did they do an Untold on this? I don't remember. I do, yeah, I don't even know. I've watched Untolds on a lot of these matches. The Untolds done very well, so yeah. I mean, generally speaking, just awesome match. Well, Incredible. By the time you guys hear this, the Untold came out and we watched it already. So... <laughs> yeah, Edge and McFoley. Good stuff, pal. Um, Boogie Bad versus Booker T and Charbel. That's a classic, right? <laughs> classic intergender handicap match. <laughs> Probably the only intergender handicap match in wrestling history. <laughs> if they did that nowadays, we'd, we'd be crucifying it on our podcast. Like, oh, imagine. 100%. Yeah, this is. I we, mean, do a, we do a 20 minute rant about how just terrible this is. I'd, I'd be doing like 15 minute burial videos of my channel, and people would just be. Oh, no. Yeah, Yeah, this card wasn't perfect. You know, Undertaker versus Mark Henry in a casket match. Did we really need that? No. (laughs) Was anybody asking for that? No. I I personally would have rather seen Undertaker beat up Mr. McMahon for 20 minutes and just have Sean face like Rey Mysterio or something. You know? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Could have done Kurt Angle and Undertaker in the main event, maybe, for the world title. There, yeah, there you go, pal. That might be something, you know. Well, like WrestleMania 22, when we talk, I've mentioned like what if scenarios a bunch, but like I, it goes back to. I mean, you made a video on this. Like, what if Eddie lived? It's like Eddie versus Sean in a dream match. Kurt Angle versus Undertaker for the big gold belt. You have Cena Triple H. You've got you know the hardcore match Edge and Foley. You got Money in the Bank. You've got, you know, all this, the, the big time is the theme song. Like, if that happened, my God, it's like, it's like a top three mania ever. But for what it was, just as it happened, it was still really good. I think it's fair. Exactly. Yeah, had Eddie lived and we had Eddie and Sean, it would have put this WrestleMania on a different tier. 100%. You know, then you also, have... Also, fun, fun little question here. If that, and if that, like, actually happened, Eddie and Sean, would that match have been better than Eddie and Angle at 21? Eddie and Angle at 21? Or wait. What? Oh, sorry, yeah. Sean and Angle. Sean and oh, Angle. Sean and Angle. Oof. I don't know. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, just because I think their styles would have would have meshed really well, Sean and Eddie. They were yeah. very similar, you know? Yeah. It's fun, fun hypothetical, I'm sure. So, well, it is. But yeah. Um, anything else about 22? Like, I don't really have many thoughts. I think Undertaker and Mark Henry in a casket match. Okay. Whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. This yeah. show, this is... For the most part, when you remember it, it's a two-match show. Edge and McFoley, John Cena and Triple H. But I enjoyed, you know, the triple threat match with Mysterio and Orton and uh, and take and Angle. The build-up for that yeah. sucked. It was distasteful. And I really enjoyed Shawn versus Triple H. I mean, not Shawn versus Triple H. Shawn Michaels versus Mr. McMahon. And then I thought RVD, you know, RVD winning the Money in the Bank was cool. I guess we should talk about McFoley. I mean, not McFoley. Jesus Christ. Mickey James and Trish Stratus. Probably oh, one of the better built women's matches, right? When you think about a story for a women's match, they had they got ten minutes time. 
I, I can't think of well, a better like, built women's match for WrestleMania aside from like Becky, Ronda, and Charlotte. Well, like one thing I find with you know WWE and like women's wrestling, when you look at their history, few like hardly any other women's matches outside of this one really have like genuine build. Literally, so the Attitude Era was the whole build with women's matches. Then was they're gonna take their clothes off or they're just like. They're, they're they're a part of Godfather's we'll, we'll say squad, and then squad. and then literally the the Divas era was literally like all throwing birthday cakes in Natalia, and that type like that was legit all they'd do. They'd like slap each other and pull each other's hair, and then the the women's revolution era for the past six years has been where women we're going to have these matches. Stephanie McMahon's leading our agenda. We we deserve it. That's been like the build for matches. So in that regard, as you say, Mickey and Trish was genuinely a damn good build. Like th- that wasn't just a stereotypical. Oh well, we're, we're, we're women and we're gonna have a great match because we need to. We need to. It was legit. Just Mickey and Trish having a great storyline, like a legitimately great storyline. There's no agenda here. It was just a great storyline. Absolutely, yeah. a really good story. I mean, Mickey James. It gets forgotten in history. Like Mickey James comes in and she's relatively a newcomer, and people find her attractive and they're really into her, you know, and they really want to see Mickey James succeed. And, and she would come out and she's like, the whole story is that she's Trish's big fan. She was like, she played like a stalker character. She'd like follow Trish into the shower and stuff like that. And like, you know, it was just, it was a different story that yeah, they couldn't do it nowadays, but at the time it was a really good story. And it's one of those stories that you don't really see in women's wrestling is nowadays, like you said, it's just, nowadays, Nope. Like said, we got to have a women main nope, event. WrestleMania. WrestleMania. Well, look at the story nowadays. I'm the boss. I'm the EST. Reginald exists. There's your story. Yeah. yeah. Like exactly yeah. back, back um, in, back in 2006, Re- Reginald would have walked in on Sasha Banks in the shower or something. You know, that's what it, that's legitimately. That's what they would have done. It's just what it was at that time. Yeah. They would, they would have done some segment where like, Reginald would have been deployed by Teddy Long to seduce Batista, and would have, they would have done some really like homophobic skit. And then you would have had Melina then walk in, and then Batista would have like before a match, like, it, they would have done something creative, horribly effective by today's standards, and it would have for the time been amazingly entertaining. So, yeah, anyway, times have changed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but yeah, th- th- this was a, like a good, fun, entertaining storyline. Yeah, absolutely. And then you look at WrestleMania 23, the yep. Battle of the Billionaires. That's what I remember when I think WrestleMania 23. Uh, I, mean, I mean, this was like, at the time, this was the the most bought WrestleMania because people wanted to see Donald Trump versus Vince McMahon. That, yeah. That, that, I'm like, it's crazy, bro. It's, it's, Trump, it's Trump and Vince. I mean, you look at the amount of commotion and the, the, amount, the amount of circus that Trump's name generates in the past, like, five years alone. Like, you have Trump against Vince McMahon. Like, who wouldn't want to see that? Like, even even if it's Lashley versus Umaga instead of Trump and Vince actually wrestling. But just the, the whole premise of Trump could get his head shaved. I'd buy a pay-per-view to see that. That sounds fun. Like, it was, it was a great concept. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Uh, I bought the pay-per-view. Well, my parents bought it for me, but, you know, it was a great... I, I had to see it. Like, I just... I had to. I had to know what was going to happen with, with the Battle of the Billionaires I was really invested in Undertaker and Batista. Those were the probably my two favorite wrestlers at this point in time in 07. You talk about that. That's a match that gets forgotten about. Completely thrown under the wayside, bro. Undertaker versus Batista. In my opinion, 
it's one of the it's one of the absolute best um, WrestleMania matches and one of Undertaker's absolute best WrestleMania matches. Absolutely, zero doubt about that. Batista and the Undertaker, literally, this is 2007 Batista, who is one of the most cool wrestler. Like, if, if you show someone who just hates wrestling and calls it fake all the time, you show them world heavyweight champion Batista on SmackDown with his sunnies, his big gold watch, he's got his you know the big gold belt, his suit. It's cool. It's objectively, he's cool, you know? And then Undertaker is just, this 07 Undertaker was phenomenal. So this match, Kevin, I've watched this match back a ton. Like, this is just, this is wrestling, pal. Like, this match was amazing. Absolutely. I love it. And John Cena versus Shawn Michaels, this was the kind of match that put, that it should have put the hate on John Cena away. Oh, John Cena can't wrestle. Oh, he's this, he's that. Hell yeah, John Cena can wrestle. Go back and watch this match. This is maybe... In ring, not even maybe. I would say in ring, this is John Cena's best WrestleMania match. I don't really think it's even close. What, what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, this match was Cena having a you know a, a great match, and you know what I mean by a great match, yeah. a, a match. Of, oh, it's so good in the ring. One of these type of matches. This is Cena having this in 07. but people didn't give him respect in the ring until literally 2015. It took a surplus of guys who can't cut promos coming up to the main roster and having 20-minute open challenge matches with Cena for Cena to get that respect. So in hindsight, yeah, Cena Michaels, fantastic WrestleMania main event. 23 just as a whole, is it might be one of the most underrated or the most underrated mania of all time. It's yeah. definitely in the conversation. Absolutely. I mean, top to bottom, let's look at the card, the Money in the Bank ladder match. Mr. Kennedy wins. That was, that was a bit of a shock. I thought it was going to be Randy Orton or Jeff Hardy. But Mr. Kennedy winning, that was great, whatever. You know, great Kali versus Kane. I'm not even going to talk about that. Chris Benoit versus MVP. It was a good match at the time, but we can't talk about that. Uh, Undertaker versus Batista, classic. Bobby Lashley versus Umaga was great. Battle of the Billionaires, that image of Vince. Just one of the most iconic, I think one of the most iconic clips and one of the most iconic images in WrestleMania history has to be Stone Cold shaving Vince McMahon's head. Oh, yeah. Yeah, legit. Like, like looking at that and saying Vince with the um, uh, how, how did I describe it last week? I'll say the Vince McMahon bald with the white stuff on his face. Like that was just that's yeah. it. That's an um, image. That's an image in wrestling oh, history. Oh, it's in my eye. It's in my eye, pal. Damn it! Give me the towel, pal. Oh, Steve. Oh God. Oh. oh. <laughs> Oh my god! Then you know Melina versus Ashley. That was the women's championship match. I, I, you yeah, know, Trish and Lita were gone. That, yeah, that that's the Divas era, pal. That's like yeah. the yeah. This is the beginning of the Divas era. era. Yeah, Ugh. it sucks. But now back to the original question that you asked me before we went on this huge tyrant. What did I think about WrestleMania 24? Oh, it's funny you asked that. Thank you. Thank you for asking. That. <laughs> well, so like an hour and a half later, I'm gonna answer the question here. That's long term. That's long term <laughs> storytelling for all you people that love long term storytelling, pal. We're finally here. Back to the original question that started this whole freaking podcast. Let's get it. Okay. <laughs> uh, I answered, big man. Go on. Go I, on. I, I don't think I ever told this story, but I was actually late to this show. Did I ever? Did I ever told you that that I that I showed up late? I, I've not heard this. It, 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 tell me. Tell the viewers, listeners. Let's go, Kevin. <laughs> so, so my uh, my sister in law at the time, she was like, she thought it was clever to leave like a half hour before the show started. 
you know, so she was like, oh, the, the pre-show starts at 7 o'clock. You guys leave at 6.30. It's fine. So we're in traffic, literally in traffic in Orlando on, on, on iDrive, like waiting just to get into the arena. We didn't get into the arena until the middle of the third match, which was Batista Numaga. <laughs> that is such a fat L. Oh my yeah. god! Oh, such a massive L. Yeah, it's that's uh, so bad. You hate to see it, pal. Yeah, so you know, I, I miss JBL. Quick question: you Don't need to disclose too much personal information. Do you still talk to this person today? <laughs> uh, no, I do not. No. Yeah, I can exactly just for <laughs> just for that one. I'd be like, yeah, nah, just don't talk to me, please. Yeah, well, I was. We were, we got tickets for one of the greatest WrestleManias of all time, and you made us late. Nah. Get out of here, bro. So, you know, I miss JBL. <laughs> I'm facing Finley's from Ireland. He loves the oh, fight, Maggle. You missed the. I wish I saw that. Like that would have been so funny. Why? Like imagine being in like the first row and JBL is just barking at Finley. Like, ah, he's a stupid Irishman, Maggle. Ah, ah. I hit him with a bacon dry, Maggle. Like, oh my god! I mean, young me, all I cared about was seeing Undertaker and Edge and Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair. Like, that's all I cared about. So I didn't really mind missing the first two matches. In hindsight, I wish I didn't miss the, the Money in the Bank match. CM Punk, your favorite wrestler of all time, pal. He took Jeff Hardy's spot because you know Jeff Hardy, um, he couldn't stay off the you know the recreational substances. He was supposed to win Money in the Bank. I, that's a major what if right there, bro. Right off the bat, what if Jeff Hardy won Money in the Bank? I don't know. Hey, yo, Polana, you hear this? You hear this, my guy? This is a video for you. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, legit. Like, c- compare this, Kevin. So, you went to 24 on 33. 24, you arrive in the middle of the third match. You're, you're, you're just way late. And you're only, you're only there for, like, probably, what, I don't know, three-ish hours or something like that. Yeah. Meanwhile, Mania 33, you're literally sitting there for, like, basically a whole day, it feels like. Baking in the sun. Walk me through what it's like when you're when you're sitting in the baking hot sun all day at WrestleMania. Oh, it's not fun. It is not. No, it is not fun. It's sitting in the hot Orlando, Florida sun in April, like where in most states, in most parts of the country, it's decent weather. It's like sixty degrees. You know, there's wind, maybe some snow in some parts of the country in the, in the beginning of April. Not in Florida. It's like 120 degrees. <laughs> it's not fun. It's draining. You literally feel like you have nothing left. Like you just want to go lay, like lay in bed for twelve hours afterwards. That's a yeah. That's such a rip. But not nah. Kevin. You mentioned the main reason you went was Edge and Undertaker. Talk talk to me about that really quickly. Walk me through how that match made you feel watching live, and just 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 walk me through the the experience of it all. Oh God, seeing Undertaker's entrance live, it's a spectacle. I can't put I can't put that in words. I can't. It's just I get goosebumps thinking about it. Just being there. The whole presentation, that that's sports entertainment at its finest, right there, pal. You have you know, <laughs> you have Undertaker make this spectacular entrance, and then Edge's entrance is just his his badass music playing, and he's walking down there with two guys dressed like him and Vicky Guerrero. <laughs> what a contrast of styles! It, I was like, but it worked because everybody hated Edge in the building, even adults. Like there were grown ass people next to me in, in the stands screaming at Edge, booing him, cursing him out telling him that he sucked and he didn't deserve to be in the ring with Undertaker. So it worked. But Undertaker's entrance live, that's something that for anybody that's seen it, you know what I'm talking about. It's just unbelievable. And those who haven't seen it, you know, you really can't, like, I can't put it into words for anybody that hasn't seen it. And the match, I didn't even care about the match. Like, honestly, I I was like 12. I didn't care about the match. All I cared about was the entrance of Undertaker. The match was great, though. I lived up to it. I'm glad I got to witness it live. 
I'm glad I could say I was in the building for it because it was a great match. Like you talk about a great match, like you say that this was a great match. These two guys put on a clinic, a wrestling clinic, one of the best in ring main events in history. You talk about in ring. Go ahead. You make an interesting point there, real quick about like the you know you know you as a twelve year old not really caring to see the actual like the match for the match was more so about the the you know the spectacle of like the entrance and whatnot. I was legit, and I still am legit the exact same. I don't, I don't care to watch a great a great in ring match. Like I, it's always been about the the spectacle, the grandeur, the moments. Like that's that's WrestleMania. That's the best of WrestleMania. And like that's the thing, Undertaker, Edge, the story, the entrances, the segments, etc. That's what it's all about. Like yeah, the match ended up being really good. That's a bonus, but that's not what it's all about, Kevin. So yeah, go on with your point. I thought I'd get it in there. Yeah, absolutely. Like, the story. I mean, you talk about in ring. You asked me earlier, what's the best in ring in ring WrestleMania main event? This has to be in consideration in terms of bell to bell action. Oh, Undertaker and Edge killed it. You know, and then um, another moment from this match. This is a, I like to look at this as like a two match show too. When you think about what I, like when you ask me what I remember from this show, Undertaker Edge, and then Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair. Ric Flair's last match, another in ring in ring storytelling clinic, one of the best matches from a story perspective. These two guys, Shawn and Ric Flair, one A one B as far as greatest in ring performers in most people's minds. They went in there. And they killed it. Yeah, they didn't do a lot of flips. Sean did a, a moonsault, so maybe people would give it four stars because of that. But just spectacular storytelling. The whole story going in was Ric Flair had been given his death sentence by Vince McMahon. He was, you know, your career is going to end, damn it, at WrestleMania 24. You just have to keep winning. And he had to win and win and win on Raw and SmackDown and other pay-per-views leading up to this for like six months from like the middle of 07, maybe like the late end of 07. And it was a culmination of the story. Sean, the famous words, I'm sorry, I love you. And every, like people were crying. Every, I was crying. Everybody was crying. You know, my family, everybody, when Ric Flair retired, it was such an emotional moment. I don't think there's been a match, another match like this, like that's drawn more emotion. Maybe probably Triple H and, and Taker from WrestleMania 28. Other than that, this is like has to be one of the most emotional moments uh, ever and probably the best match I've ever seen live, too. It was great. Yeah, it, it just everything about it. So well done. Mania 24. It's a top three Mania of all time, in my opinion. So, yeah. I mean, that's the golden era of WrestleMania, is, uh, really. Um, anything else you want to say about 24, Kevin? I just want to say that I was highly disappointed. Even as a 12-year-old, I was highly disappointed that Randy Orton beat Cena and Triple H. I was, I was cheering for Triple H. I was one of those kids. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was cheering for the heel, the heel pal. Well, I get, I don't even know. Triple, I don't even know why Triple H was there. Why didn't, why wasn't this John Cena and Randy Orton? It's the greatest rivalry of all time, Michael. Why, why didn't they, why didn't they have a one-on-one match? <laughs> uh, uh, can, can you do Triple H? Oh, I gotta get myself in there. Uh. Uh, <laughs> Kevin, I gotta book myself to be in the Triple Threat match. I love making matches that should be singles matches into Triple Threats. I did it with Daniel Bryan, Reigns, and Edge now. I'm doing it back in 2008. Eww, I'm ahead of the curve. Yeah, Like, imagine this. Imagine you take Triple H out of this match, and you do Floyd Mayweather versus Triple H. Oh. Could you imagine that? Like, yeah, Floyd Mayweather versus Big Show was great, and it had mainstream attention, and I was invested in it, and it was an awesome moment. Floyd Mayweather is one of the best celebrities to be involved in wrestling, period. 
But if if it would have been against Triple H, imagine he punches Triple H in the nose, breaks his nose instead of Big Show. Oh my god. We're talking yeah. like top three moments, like top three, four moments ever, right? Epic. Yeah. Jeez. Well, that's so sick. I, I yeah. I don't even know. So, like, what do you want to do for the rest of this, Kevin? Because we've been here a while. Um, yeah, we've been here a long time. <laughs> um, how do you want to do this? Because I think most of the rest of the good stuff we've already kind of touched on. We've, we've talked about 25 and all, like, all the best stuff in the next few WrestleManias are literally Undertaker exclusive. We've covered that in the streak one. So I think we've covered everything. Uh, okay, let, let, let's, let's do this. Uh, let's, talk, let's talk about the Hogan era real quick. Real quick, yeah. Well, not real quick, but we'll spend, you know, we're not going to talk about the whole card. Like, there's nothing on WrestleMania 3 aside from... Well, they're one and two match cards, so you can fly through them. I think WrestleMania 3 will do, I think... No, we should have fly through it. I want to talk about Ricky and and Randy, because that's like, that deserves its time. Yeah. Let's go. Go for it. it, Talk about Ricky and Randy, pal. Let's do it, pal. This match is the godfather of the work rate matches. What did you say? Like, it it, it just is... this was work right before work right was cool, pal. Right. The, these two guys, they put on a clinic at WrestleMania 3. It's so ahead of its time. It, where would you rank this in terms of best WrestleMania matches? I know a lot of people say it is number one. I'd probably put it like, I'd, it's in the top 10, in my top 10 for sure. Wait, where, what would you say? Ooh. And have you ever seen this too, out of interest? Have you ever, have you ever watched this match in full? Yeah, I've seen this match in... Um... Hogan Andre from this show. The rest of the show is kind of like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's serviceable, but I mean, this show is like a, like a two match type show. Um, where do I rank this one? Um, if, if I grew up watching wrestling in like the 80s and I've been watching ever since, I probably have this like top three, but when I, when I probably, yeah, I have this probably top 10 ish, you know? It's yeah. like just personal preference, but yeah, this, it's an incredible match. Like, take nothing away from it, it's phenomenal. Absolutely. And I'll say this about WrestleMania 3. For anybody that grew up in this era, this is your go-to WrestleMania. Either this one or like maybe Hogan Warrior or Hogan Savage. But most people that grew up in this era, this was epic. The story built between Hogan and Andre, Hogan tearing off Andre's chain. Like I, I'm a sucker for 80s wrestling. I go back and I watch this stuff. And I haven't done it recently, but I used to when I was younger. I used to go back and watch a lot of this stuff, and I, I love it. The cartoon, I love the cartoon character aspect. I love, I don't know. I love this era of wrestling. I'm a sucker for it. What, what else can I say? And Hogan Andre, the body slam heard around the world. Man, crazy moment. I wish I had been alive for it to witness it. You know, I wish I was like, like 20 or something. Like, just imagine, put myself right now where I am right now. Just go back in a time machine in 1987 and go sit on, on TV at home and watch this match live and watch the story build up on Saturday night's main event. It's epic stuff. This is what wrestling was built on, too. Yeah, because this is this is this is before everything had been done. You know, so, so like you can do when there's one wrestling show a month, literally, you can have Hogan do a face off with Andre in like November, and people will be excited in beginning of April when they have their match. Like you, you could run the business that way, and it was it was a boom. It was it was a hit because it, you know word wasn't out that oh it's fake, it's fake. Oh my god, it's not real. Like it was like it was awesome. So. In that regard, I mean, Hogan Andre especially, that's just, that is synonymous with wrestling. Like, that, everything about that, two, just larger than life, unstoppable force, or irresistible force meets the immovable object, just phenomenal. Just, wow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and then, you know? I mean, Roddy Piper had a retirement match against Adrian Adonis. Like, a lot of people will remember that from the era. That's probably, like, another, another standout match. But a lot of the other stuff on this card, like, you have 
You have a six-man tag team match. three six, Two six-man tag team matches, actually. A loser-must-bow match between Harley Race and Junkyard Dog. Junkyard Dog had to bow down to Harley Race. I don't know how that would last, how that would fare in 2021. Uh, uh, <laughs> mm, you know, I, I don't know about that one. Moving on. So, yeah, WrestleMania 3, like, I think it's fair to say, right, that people that grew up in this era... It's fair. It would be. It's fair for us to look at it and say, "I I understand why they hold this WrestleMania in such a high regard." Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This, this for people who you know lived in this like era and like you know grew up at this. This is like the OG WrestleMania. This is like the go to Mania three ninety three thousand in attendance. Like this is where it's at. Absolutely. Um, and I, I guess we should talk yeah. about WrestleMania one too. Like WrestleMania one started all. Just talk about that. Like, what if WrestleMania never took place? Who knows what wrestling would be? Who knows if WWE would have went out of business? Who knows? WrestleMania 1 is the reason why we're here doing this podcast right now. Absolutely. It, it Yeah. Quite literally, you know, it's like the, the, this show was the beginning. It, it was, Vince took a gamble. Like, also, if have you ever seen the, um oh, what what's the, you know, the documentary they did about WrestleMania? Was it, was it the Rise and Fall of WrestleMania? They did some yes. WWE home video. Yes. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. That like the way they put that together, making it seem like you know Vince starting WrestleMania was such a uh, such a risk. It was you know such a big gamble, and it, it how it paid off. And it just that whole documentary was brilliant. So I just wanted to bring that up because I feel like it's more than worthy of being brought up. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And there was the aspect too that a lot of promoters from the NWA, you know, the all the other territories, they were trying to get um, Iron Sheik to break Hogan's leg. They were trying to pay him off and like stop WrestleMania from happening. And Iron Sheik was like, no, nah, I'm doing business, Bubba. <laughs> so if Iron Sheik had broke Hogan's leg. Iron Sheik is one of the. Iron Sheik, he still keeps his character today. It's 2021. We're talking about stuff from 1985. We're 37 or well, 36 years removed. And Iron Sheik is still on Twitter tweeting several times a day in full caps saying he hates Hulk Hogan. Like, <laughs> nothing beats that, Kevin. That is, that's wrestling. Keep your oh, character, pal. That, that but instead, just, we have people doing five paragraph long rants about body shaming and women only getting ten minutes and on roll, and it should be getting forty. Like, just, <laughs> that that just brought that just brought something in my head. I would watch Iron Sheik right now do a TikTok because it would be funny and he would be in character. That's fine if you want to be in character and do a TikTok. Cool, you know. That's all I'll say. Like, if Drew McIntyre wants to post on TikTok, him bullying people in the locker room in character, I'm down with that. Whatever. Okay. First WrestleMania main event, Hogan and Mr. T versus Paul Orndorff and Roddy Piper. Way before our time, but it was, you know, it, it's the godfather. It's the godfather of all WrestleMania main events, and it deserves respect. It deserves to be in consideration for a top 10 WrestleMania main event, I think. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Just for, it, literally, it's a significance thing. And it's like, it, how significant and important the match is sometimes transcends how many moves were done and how good the match was in bell to bell. So... Yeah, this match was incredibly significant. As far as other stuff, I mean, the body slam challenge with Andre, I mean, that, that's worth noting. That's significant. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Uh, Andre the Giant, Big John Stud, two big dudes. Just, and it was cool. A yeah, $15,000 body slam challenge, that kind of stuff would be looked at as corny nowadays, but, you know, different time. A lot of people look at it and they say Hogan and Roddy Piper should have been a one-on-one match. I think that's fair. I think that's a fair sentiment. But the involvement of Mr. T and Cindy Lauper, really helped yeah, but yeah like you say that would hogan versus piper in just a regular match been anywhere near as successful business-wise and the answer is most likely no you know absolutely not like, 
Yeah, but it's fair. It's fair to wonder what would have happened if they had done that. If the, if Vince had trusted his big guns, you know, I understand why Roddy Piper was pissed off about it because he felt like he and Hogan could sell out the house and they didn't need Mister T. Yeah, I understand, but really is uh, you know, in, in ring wise, it's probably not something I can sit there and enjoy. But for what it was, it was a great main event. Hell yeah! And I mean, what other kind of stuff in this time period do you want to talk about? I think one thing would be good Hogan Savage Mania Five. I think that one's worth mentioning. I think the mega powers exploding, that yeah. whole storyline, I thought it, it it was the two biggest stars of that kind of time period going at it. Like, just Hogan and Savage, awesome. Like, what I, do you think? I don't think you could find a more, a more in-depth, detailed story going into a WrestleMania main event than that. I, I think that's the best of the best right there. The mega powers imploding, Randy Savage accusing Hogan of looking at his wife just the whole, you know, the handshake that Hogan and Savage had, the whole spectacle of it, the two biggest stars in wrestling at the time and going one-on-one. It was great. Randy Savage was the perfect heel. Hulk Hogan was the perfect baby face. It doesn't get much better than that. I, I, what, do you, what would you say, like, from a storyline perspective? It was, it was fantastic. Like, it's, it, it was long-term storytelling, pal, but it was actually, like, a long-term actually storytelling long-term. That, that, that they meant to tell. It wasn't like nowadays where it's like, oh, well, incidentally, WWE did Baron Corbin versus McIntyre on a random Raw in May because they, they had nothing else to do. Oh, well, now when they have Baron Corbin show up and beat up Drew in March, now that's long-term storytelling. Like, no, that's just WWE doing two things that happen to have some kind of relation to each other because of who's involved. There's no long-term planning or foresight there. Like, there's none. So back in the day in 1988, 1989, you're doing this big Mega Powers explosion storyline. This is planned out you've got pat patterson vince mcmahon at a pole writing this whole storyline vince would be like oh damn it pat i don't think we should have uh my 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 wwf golden boy hulk hogan losing in that match so you know they're working through it they're booking this match like this this is wrestling pal this is wrestling damn it absolutely well said you know the rest of the card brutus beefcake versus ted dibiase was what it was you know demolition versus the power of pain uh, the Barbarian and Warlord, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool spectacle for the era. You know, the Brain Busters uh, versus Rick Martel and Tito Santana, that's probably a match that people will point to nowadays and be like, oh, that was good in-ring. And, and it was, for at the time, very good in-ring match. And yeah, I mean, what else can I say about WrestleMania 5? I don't know. And then I guess WrestleMania 6. But this is the Hogan era. Hogan is the big, the big picture here. WrestleMania 6, Hogan Warrior. At the time, you know, not at the time. I mean, when I was younger, I had a... I had a VHS of this because my brother had recorded it. And I used to watch this match all the time because I, I just loved it. I loved the whole build up, the Ultimate Warrior cutting insane promos. Like he just did 10 lines of Coke and drank a, a, pie, a pint of coffee in like five minutes. Like he was just screaming at the top of his lungs. Nobody knew what the hell he was saying. He could have been speaking <laughs> another language for all we knew. You know, and then it turns out today he was doing like a, a Native American gimmick and like worshiping the gods. Like <laughs> I had no idea that's what he was doing, but. Yeah, it was like these two cartoon characters going at it. Uh, have you ever seen Hogan Warrior? Have you, have you ever watched? I have. It's it's the same thing as I talked about with like Hogan Rock. Really, it's like you watch that match muted. It's a bucket of piss. It's garbage. But it, like it's, like what it meant for wrestling and how big the guys were as far as stars and you like this is a match. If you're uh, like a kid in like 1990, how can you not want to see this? This is Hulk Hogan, like Mister America, large and life superhero. And he's going one-on-one with this just insane, 
whatever you like native american inspired warrior guy like it it's a match you can't miss like it is iconic so phenomenal stuff the match itself is not very good but like it, it's not about the match it's about like what it stands for so really good main event the rest of the show there, there was something else that was good in this show not not piper doing blackface not that there was something else from memory that was good was it andre retiring or was it something else just um, check the card there was um, let me see i'm looking at the card right now Ted DiBiase versus Jake Roberts for the Million Dollar Championship. That was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I don't think Andre... Oh, you had Dusty Rhodes and Sapphire versus Randy Savage and Queen Sherry. You know? Jesus Christ. It was so that good... was literally Vince... That was Vince going, Oh, damn it, Dusty. You're trying to make a name, name for yourself in another territory. Damn it. We're polka dots, pal. Yeah. Right. Oh, pal, you cash, You got you got your checks cashed by other, by other bosses than me, pal. <laughs> I hate you, pal. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think that's, oh, that's yes, sick. this was Andre the Giant's retirement. It was Demolition versus the Colossal Connection, Andre and, and Haku. Yeah, God bless Andre. Um, do you want to move on to seven, where we can talk about the what is it, the Warrior Savage match from seven? Um, yeah, Ultimate Warrior's best match. I think most people would easy. agree with that. Easily his best match. Randy Savage's retirement match. One of the most one of the most emotional moments. He embraces with Miss Elizabeth. She saves him from getting attacked by Queen Sherry. They embrace. People are in the, in the stadium, in their seats, cry, uh, crying. And that's wrestling right there, bro. If, if, if that's not wrestling, I don't know what is. No, but Kevin, wrestling's great. 35-minute matches with no story. That's wrestling, pal. Um, yeah, like just phenomenal stuff across the board. Like That match was great. The main event we talked about last week, and if it was in the worst of WrestleMania, the, the rest of the show is kind of forgettable. But yeah, Warrior and Savage just those two take a bow. I mean, yeah, post posthumously take a bow. You know, just yeah. facts. Yeah, all hats off to them. They did their best, and Savage got a good match out of Warrior. It, it, I mean, I can't even believe that Ultimate Warrior. He literally never had a good match again, except for another match he had with Savage like a year and a half later at SummerSlam. The dude literally never had a good match, <laughs> unless it was with Randy Savage. Nobody could get a good match out of him. Rick Rude, you know, Mr. Perfect, none of those guys. So hats off to Randy Savage, hats off to both guys. Those are two large-in-life cartoon characters coming to life, two comic book characters in real life fighting each other with the colors and the face paint. It wouldn't work. A lot of this stuff wouldn't work today. Like you said, it's all about, you know, 20-minute matches, pal, with flips and, it's all about, flips and tricks. It's like doing stuff that fits the time, you know? It's, it's like, that's why... One of the things I find wrestling, really, if you're like in a creative sense, you have to have your finger on the pulse of pop culture and play up to it in a way that's actually like cool, you know? Because like what WWE do now is like, oh well, we're just gonna we're gonna bring in Logan Paul and have him moderate a Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens segment, but it's like, well, that's that's garbage. Like that's not a creative way of making people care. So like back then in this time period, when you bring in celebrities, when you do these storylines and you know, they book it the way they do. Things felt big. Things felt special. So yeah, oh, this Savage and Savage and Warrior match, no exception. I think we can swiftly move into Mania Eight because this had a couple of really good things. I mean, Piper Bret Hart, IC title. Um, Hogan and Sid was meh, and then you had Savage and Flair. So w- walk me through how Mania Eight makes you feel, Kevin. I think it's one of the like top to bottom, probably the earliest really good WrestleMania top to bottom. Because you had Shawn Michaels versus Tito Santana, which is good. Bret Hart versus Roddy Piper, really good. Randy Savage and Ric Flair, amazing. 
you know, and then Hogan and Sid was what it was, but it was still good at the time. It do- it doesn't fit. Like when you look at Hulk Hogan's WrestleMania main events, this is the one that's like, what? what? How did this happen? You know, Undertaker and Jake Roberts was also pretty good. Just, I, I think top to bottom, a really good WrestleMania. And you see a lot, some of the icons here that end up being really big stars like 10 years later. Undertaker, Sean, you know, Bret Hart even was a big star. And like, you know, did, he wasn't even at his peak. So a lot of like younger talent that quite hadn't reached their full potential yet. And then you have Hulk Hogan and Sid topping that off for, for what that's worth. Yeah. I, I don't even know. Like, yeah, that Savage and Flair was excellent. Just those two guys, a really underrated WrestleMania match. And then a really good the, story, the too. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, speaking of stories, you know, like Bret Hart and Roddy Piper, Roddy Piper desperate to win a singles title. And that was awesome. Just great stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah. Bret Hart beats him for the title. They had probably Roddy Piper's best match. Roddy, it was kind of like, it was a lot like Edge and McFoley in a way. Like before, yeah. like way ahead of his time, you know, Piper, like McFoley, was searching for the WrestleMania moment, that really good WrestleMania match. Bret Hart, a guy that's about to explode and become one of the biggest names in wrestling, needed somebody, a legend, to put him over. And much like Foley did for Edge, Roddy Piper did the same thing for Bret Hart, put him over, and Bret Hart became one of the biggest names of the 90s. Literally. So, I mean, that's, I, I think, really, we, we, we'll, do, we'll talk about 10 and we'll talk about the Iron Man match at 12 and I guess 14, and then we're good to get out of here, I think. So, yeah, Mania 10, this one, two of those, I mean, those two matches, the opener and the ladder match, wow. Like, the ladder match was ahead of its time. The opener was ahead of its time as well, really, when you consider the style of wrestling nowadays. That match, Brad Nolan was just, it was it was pure wrestling to a T. And, yeah, I'm just, what, what, what a great set of two matches. Absolutely. Like, this was the... The beginning of a new era. This is what would set the... These matches would pave the way for Rock and Austin, you know, and, and matches like Sean and, and Kurt and Sean and Jericho and matches like that to take place on a WrestleMania without Owen and Brett and Sean and Razor. Sean and Razor, I think that has to be objectively one of the top five WrestleMania matches ever, you know, when you look at it. I, get, I can see why a lot of people would put it there. Like, I think if you ask... If you do a survey and you tell people, write me write me down your top five WrestleMania matches, you're gonna see Razor and Sean in more in more people's top fives than you wouldn't than you wouldn't see it, I think. Yeah. Just revolutionary. I think that's the word to describe it. These two guys for a ladder match, it was so far ahead of his time. It was brilliant. Like a lot of matches have been so overdone. We've, we've seen literally everything nowadays. Like you do a ladder match and it's like, oh, well, a guy just did a, a seven twenty degree suicide flip off the top of the ladder onto eight guys. Okay, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't react the same way. Like these two guys, spot wise, what they were doing, like compared, like what, compared to what you see nowadays, like indie promotions, it's it's like nothing. But for the time, how revolutionary it was, it was just epic, Kevin. Absolutely, epic. absolutely. That's one match I can go back and watch any day of the week. It's so good. I love it. Um, and then another thing too is like they have a ladder match, but they're not just beating each other up at the ladder. They're using it, jumping off of it. You know, they're just having a regular wrestling match at, at points. It wasn't just like like you see nowadays. You know, oh, let's get the chairs, pal. Let's get the kendo sticks and beat each other up. We're having a ladder match, damn it. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. And I mean, the opener was just it was a sibling war. It was phenomenal. Like, yeah, more, more good storytelling. Well, Great storytelling, pal. I mean, 
Owen should have won the title at SummerSlam. That's all I'll say. But you know, <laughs> you know. yeah, that's fair. definitely fair. This is a this one WrestleMania ten. I think WrestleMania ten is is an iconic WrestleMania. I think it's one of the top ten best. I yeah, I, I think it's pretty like yes. pretty fair. Yeah, I think yeah. most people would agree. Sure. You know, Bret Hart finally getting his moment, winning the WWE I think Championship. Great. Go ahead. Yeah, I think it's how great the the opener and the um. The ladder match was in the main event, like the ending. Yeah, like, that alone makes it top ten. And the fact that it wasn't like eight hours long, Kevin, like you experienced in uh, Orlando. Like, <laughs> yeah, facts. Yeah, yeah. this is Madison Square Garden, three and a half hour long show. You got Vince on commentary. You know, Bret Hart getting his crowning moment. Really good. I mean, Bret Hart beating Yokozuna. These were the two big stars of their era, of the new generation era. These were the two faces of that era, Russell colliding in the main event of WrestleMania. It was damn good. Roddy Piper, the special guest referee. I don't really know much about that, but Bret Hart, Bret Hart winning. That's a cool moment when the whole locker room came out and was lifting Bret Hart up with the cha- and Bret Hart's holding the championship. It was like this is our guy. We're tired of that Hogan guy, pal. Yep, the old dinosaur. He, we tried to get rid of him last year, but he came out and assaulted Yokozuna. Now we can get rid of Hogan. Damn it, Hogan! <laughs> Off to WCW you go. Oh. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, I guess... Off to, put, off to put us out of business, you go, Hogan. So, yeah. Um, I mean, that was 10. 11, sucked, move on. 12, we talked about this. The, the, the boyhood dream has come true. That that's We need to mention that for a best of mania. What do you think of the Iron Man match, Kevin? I think... It, I don't want to say... I don't want to use the term overrated, but I don't think it's... I can't cool. watch it. I, I'll jump in real quick before I get your take on I can't sit through it. It's, a, it's just an hour of watching guys wrestle. Which, there's an audience for that. And, I mean, that audience is the AW and NXT crowd who watch nowadays. But generally speaking, just watching these two guys wrestle for an hour, it's no no falls. Like, that's the thing about Iron Man matches. If you can do Iron Man matches, at least have falls to make more drama. This, the, the no falls thing, I don't feel it benefited the match. Yes, it made when Sean finally beat him in overtime feel important. But the match itself, it just drags. Like, it just goes on and on and on. And it's just... I don't know. It's not, it's not for me, Kevin. That's why I've gone. Oh yeah. I was going to say like, I actually one day, I don't know, maybe like 10 years ago or something. I sat down and I watched the whole match. Cause I was like, I was tired of people saying this is one of the best WrestleMania matches. And I like you, it's like, yeah, I don't think I could sit through this. Like it doesn't sound all that great. You know, there's an, an hour long Iron Man match where nobody gets pinned in an hour. That kind of makes wrestling look ludicrous. Right. When you have, when you have guys losing in like 10 minutes, but these two guys, they can't get a pinfall, one pinfall in 60 minutes. That's just kind of one way I look at it. So I actually sat down and watched it, and I was definitely bored, bro. There was points in the match where they're literally just like in headlocks for five minutes, like three to five minutes at a time. And they're just like, Sean's Irish whipping Brett. Brett's just running. Sean's ducking. They're doing Irish whips. They're just doing a lot of filler. I I just don't see how it's a good match. I, I don't, well, I don't see kind of- it. We kind of talk about this with the Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly thing. Like, it feels like nine months ago we talked about that in the Wrestling Super Show. But, like, legit, we talked about that. It's just, like, because of who's involved, because it went a long time, it just automatically, oh, it's an amazing match. Give it, give it all the stars. It's like, well, you, you watch it. I'm not saying the Cole and O'Reilly match would be just, like, inherently as boring as I personally or you personally found the Iron Man match. But what I'm saying is that when the match goes that long, when it's just... It, these things get stars and get graded on reputation as opposed to how good it, you feel it was, you know? But yeah. Anyway. Absolutely. I'll ask you, did I, 
did we talk about Gargano and uh oh not Gargano? Did we talk about Colin O'Reilly before or after I answered your first question? Kevin, it feels like that was that eight hours ago, so I honestly don't know. <laughs> Uh, uh, um, geez. Uh, Let's I just know. do Mania Jeez, 14 I and then I think bro. round out our Super Show Wait, WrestleMania. I, I, gotta, I, I gotta say one thing. Let me, let me just let me say this before. Actually, and 13. I, I, we can't do this and forget Austin and Bret Hart. So yeah, we'll do 13. Yeah, no, yeah. no we can't because then, you know, I'm not a proper journalist if we forget that. I wasn't going to let you forget. Don't worry. Um, so Sean versus Bret Hart. The moment was great, but they could have got to that moment by having a 20 minute match with, with Sean celebrating and Vince, the boyhood dream has come true. One of the most iconic calls in commentary history, Michael Cole, watch that commentary clip and learn how to commentate, bro. Please. You can learn a thing or two from Vince. Uh, oh my. Look out. Big dog. It's boss time. Corey, Corey, <laughs> John. Day-day-day. Oh, Peacock, John. Day-day-day. Oh, the oh, wow. boyhood dream has come true. <laughs> Such an iconic. Boyhood dream has come true for Shawn Michaels. Damn it, pal. Iconic. Uh, iconic call. But I also, I want to shout out um, Ultimate Warrior and Triple H. I, I enjoy watching Ultimate Warrior bury Triple H's pedigree. I just, I enjoy him popping up and running and just running through like nothing happened. It's hilarious. Uh, Roddy Piper and Goldust, they recreated the O.J. Simpson chase. If you don't, if you've never heard of the O.J. Simpson chase, then you're too young for us to have a conversation. Now, with that being said, let's talk about, in my mind, in my mind, it's Stone Cold's best match. It's Bret Hart's best match. In my mind, the second best match in WrestleMania history, the second best in wrestling history, Austin versus Bret. Because WrestleMania 13 sucked, aside from that. Yes. I mean, you talk about one-match shows. This is the embodiment of a one-match show. This Mania 13, they're so lucky that this match was as incredible as it was. Like, the, the whole setting of this, Austin, he's done the Austin 316 promo about nine months prior. He's a heel who people, you know, are in favor of. Bret Hart is just this kind of, he's a baby face still, but he has underlying resentment towards, like, Shawn Michaels, and he's, like, underlyingly bitter. And then they do the match, they do the double turn, through the infamous Austin refusing to tap out in the sharpshooter, his blood's pouring down you know, into his teeth and just incredible. Like the, the, there's not much you can say about this match. It hasn't been said. This was just, it was pure. It was just great wrestling. Like everything about it. it you have the second best WrestleMania match ever. It's hard to argue. Like I, I'd still put Taker and Sean above this purely mainly because of commentary in the crowd. But yeah, this was just, this is, absolute god tier this is top of god tier this match yeah i have taker sean just above this but these two damn it it, it upsets me to take a sean they get five stars pal no i'm just kidding um so so cold brett did we even talk about taker and sean from 25 like we have we gone this whole podcast and not talk about that well i assumed we we covered that in the street we spent like 10 minutes talking about that in that video yeah, but then, then we'll get hate comments talking about how I'm not a real journalist. Well, but no, you know? but we can just, if anyone <laughs> hates comments, that just defer onto the street while we spent an hour talking about that. Yeah, I'm just, like, I, I know, I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you. Ah, uh, bunch of, whatever. Anyway, go on. Yeah, go people, on. they're like, oh, you know, you don't cut, you didn't talk about Undertaker versus Mark Henry. You're not a real journalist. Okay. You're not a proper journalist. Even though this super show is probably like three and a half hours long, damn it. Jeez, like, for real, bro. I'm like exhausted. <laughs> Bret Hart versus Stone Cold, bro. What else can you say? The the mas- the I mean, masterful double turn. The best double turn in history of wrestling. Brett is the white meat baby face. Stone Cold is the heel. 
And then, what do you know? The crowd starts cheering Stone Cold, and, and then they're booing Bret Hart. And the both guys, they went with it. They told a great story. They fought in the crowd. The whole story was, you know, a, a submission match, which obviously Stone Cold is not a submission wrestler. Bret Hart had the advantage. Bret Hart wins, but Stone Cold doesn't tap. Storytelling, pal. Some of these wrestlers today that are trying to go viral on Twitter, they should probably watch WrestleMania 13 and learn about sports entertainment. Damn it, pal. That's insulting to the wrestlers. Damn it. Ugh. Um, yeah. I-, I think just incredible. And then that that leads us in perfectly to Mania 14. The Austin era. I mean, it, it really be- it really began the Austin 316 promo and then Mania 13, you know, propelled it. But now nah, Mania 14 was the Austin era beginning. Just what a great way to cap off an awesome show, Kevin. As yeah. Jim Ross would say, the Austin era has begun. Oh, fuck God, the Austin era has begun. No, no, that was awful. That might be my worst jail ever. Oh, well, whatever. All good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this video, um, you know, yeah, Triple H and Owen Hart, very good match. Probably Triple H is, Triple H literally this match never gets talked about. It's his best WrestleMania match that nobody knows about. Um, Really good match. You know, you had uh, The Rock versus Ken Shamrock. That was pretty good, too. Five-minute match, just two big brutes in there. Uh, the New Age Outlaws versus Cactus Jack and Chainsaw, Chainsaw Charlie was good, too. Undertaker and Kane. Man, that's really... This is where business picks up. Two great final matches. Undertaker versus Kane. Stone Cold versus Shawn Michaels. Damn it, pal. That's sports entertainment. That's that's long-term storytelling, right? Undertaker and Kane. Oh, yeah. Long-term storytelling, pal. And the good kind of long-term storytelling. So I'm just like, oh, well... Oh, but, but they took a picture with each other four years ago outside of the Starbucks. Therefore, long-term storytelling. Yeah, th- th- it's got to be Kane. It's got to be. It's got to be Kane. It's got to be Kane. Kane. Right? <laughs> uh, the mo- one of the best debuts in history. Kane's debut, right? No doubt about it. Like, no doubt about it. it within yeah, his first it. night in the WWE, he was a made guy. He was a main event player. He was a, a megastar in one night. Well, compare that to compare that to debuts nowadays. Like, look at Ray Ripley's Raw debut. Like, oh, I lost the Royal Rumble. I deserve a match right now. Like, <laughs> what? Like, you know, like that's not a debut. That's legit. Just, oh, I'm entitled to a match. Damn it! Oh, I deserve my match against you, Oscar. Oh, I'm gonna beat you. I'm gonna beat you up, Oscar. Like, bruh. <laughs> yeah, that's I- my inner. That's my inner bogan Australian for all you people who uh, are you really Australian? Yes, I am Australian. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Undertaker Kane. This story is perfect. The whole story was that Undertaker burned Kane's face, and when they were kids, since they had the same parents, you know, Paul Bearer was uh was daddy over there, I guess. And uh, also, oh, I need to say this. I need to say this. You want to know how I found out wrestling wasn't like you know legit? Because I was I, I like this is legit twenty. I'm like eight. I like Google. I searched the storyline up and found out that Paul Bearer was supposedly like their, their dad or whatever. And then I remember going on Wikipedia and I was checking Undertaker's age, Kane's age, and Paul Bearer's age. I'm like, there's no way he could have been the dad. And then I was like, wrestling isn't real. I was like, no. Like, that's legit how I found out. <laughs> it, I found out because Undertaker, Kane, and Paul Bearer, like, Undertaker and Paul Bearer's age is like, I don't know, like six years apart or something. They, they weren't much different. I'm like, wrestling isn't real? No. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, bro. Paul Bearer was like 10 when he had Undertaker and 12 when he had Kane. There you go. <laughs> 
Yeah, the story. I mean, the story going in. Undertaker burned Kane's face, you know? Undertaker refused to fight his brother Kane, and then they finally fought at WrestleMania. It was an unbelievable story. That's the footnotes version. But you could go back and watch. This story was built from, like, October 90s, 1997 to WrestleMania. So, like, five months of good storytelling, creative, creative moments, creative segments, vignettes. And they introduced a new character, Kane. And this was like Undertaker's first real big WrestleMania match that felt must-see. It was damn good. You know, in-ring-wise, yeah. it was what it was. It wasn't Undertaker Sean. It wasn't Undertaker Edge, but it was good. Absolutely. And, yeah, that's, that's WrestleMania, pal. That's yeah the best of WrestleMania. That is the WrestleMania Super Show. Wow. Um, anything you want to say, Kevin? Yeah, I just, man... I don't know. I don't even know. Stone Cold beating Shawn Michaels with Mike Tyson out there. That's what a great way to end. You know, that's like that. What else, that's the last, that's the perfect last thing to talk about. Because Austin winning the title, yeah. that propelled WWE to be able to defeat WCW. And that's why we have all wrestling entertainment. We're competing with Disney, pal. And it's all because of you, Stone Cold. Because you stunned, because you stunned Shawn Michaels and you pinned him that night. One, two, three, pal. Yeah. Because of that, now we have NBC. <laughs> Deleting wrestling's history. You love to say it. Yes, um, but yeah, that, that's been a bunch of fun. Essentially, you can look at it as three elite heats in one, this this podcast. So hopefully, if you if you listen to this whole thing, I mean, fair play to you. This one is our first podcast. It's gone longer than Raw, which it's not a bad <laughs> effort. Um, but yeah, no, nah, don't worry. They're not going to be three hours long every week until until Spotify is paying us like five figures. They're not going to be doing... Um, not gonna be doing shows this long. Well, so I think. Well, once, once speaking, Spotify pays you five figures, we'll, we'll get a face reveal and a name reveal. <laughs> <laughs> It'll take five figures. Don't worry. Nah. Um. Yeah. So in the meantime, next week's gonna be like some probably like forty-five to hour, fifteen minute long, just like jokes kind of video. So somehow like we'll figure it out. It's gonna be pretty tame content. It'll be the day after WrestleMania. Next time we do a late hate. So. Much more chilled out. This one's been a very, a very big show. We've been talking about this one for months. So, any, any other words, Kevin? No, sir. We'll talk to you guys next week. You can always catch us, you know, on Spotify. The files are too big to download. I'll put them on there eventually, but we'll somehow figure out a way. Catch us on Spotify, iTunes, all that. Check us out next week. We'll talk to you next Monday. Peace. That dude.